everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Televoid. I'm one of your hosts, Mara-Kate Elliott, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, LaToya Ferguson. Hey, LaToya. Orange is the New Black is overrated. <laughs> hey, LaToya! <laughs> and we are joined by special guest, Jarrett Weitzelman. Hey, Jarrett. Hello. Hi. Welcome. So, Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Well, we're, we're watching one of your favorites and everyone's, I mean, ugly stepchild of a show. Uh, Weeds, <laughs> the series finale, season eight, yes. episodes 12 and 13, It's Time, parts one and two. Now, all right, maybe we should just go around and just discuss where we stand with the show. I mean, personally, I I had to go back and figure out when I quit because it was so, in some ways, kind of circular. Like, there was always, like, you know, everyone would move to a new place, they'd almost fit in, then shit would go down, and they'd have to leave. (laughs) That was practically every single season, practically every other episode. (laughs) But I realized I quit around the beginning of season six, I think. So, I'm a little in the dark for a lot of what happened, but turns out that doesn't really matter because most of this episode exists in its own, like, weird future reality, so we're kind of blank slating it here. Weirdly, I remember watching the season that was set in Mexico, I remember watching the season that was set in New York, I think I actually quit at the start of the last season, and then, <laughs> like, I made Just decided to pick it back up again. I know, I made it so far, and then I quit, like, right when I was near, like, the 10-yard line, which will, for the record, be the only sports reference I ever make in my life. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a good... I mean, it was probably a good place to, to quit, because it seems like season eight is pretty unanimously disliked by Seemingly, most people that watched yeah. it. And, I mean, Weeds got bad pretty early on, but it was kind of the soapy bad where... So, Latoya, I'm guessing you've seen it all because Latoya is a powerhouse. Basically, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so so I, it, arguably there are some characters that are introduced in season eight, like, for example, the, the rabbi that we get here right. mentioned. I'm assuming he plays somewhat of a role, but it feels like they're all pretty tertiary and they kind of just get introduced immediately to be thrown to the wayside because most of the people we see in this episode are just like people we've known the whole show. They just show back up. Yeah. It does seem like they were like cleaning house or something before the finale because maybe they realized no one cared about those characters. Yeah. I mean, unless they were all there, the only person that's really stayed on that was like a hanger on is just Doug, which I don't know why that was the thing they decided to do, but I'm assuming it's probably because Kevin Nealon brought a lot of viewers in. Yeah, even before people were like, oh, the show's bad. Like, everyone was like, why is Doug still around? Doug, and Doug's he stayed around for eight to the last... No he's in the last scene of the series! That was unnecessary. I have so many comments on that scene alone. My God. <laughs> I don't even I don't even know where to begin. This is like... Okay. we Obviously, we watched worse things for this this podcast. And I would argue that, obviously, the, the big comparison to make would probably be something like Hiring Your Mother, where it did mm. the jump into the future and it was terrible. But this is a <laughs> different type of terrible. Because, like, that was terrible in that it, it was kind of weirdly true to the show in that it betrayed the show in a very specific <laughs> and, and 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 calculated way. This is a jump into the future that betrays the show, but it betrays the show in a way that's like, who cares? Like, whatever, this show is a thing. Like, it almost has nothing to do with the rest of the series at all. Like, there are parts of this episode where it's almost like making a weird commentary on, like, what space life's gonna be like or something, or, like, future <laughs> life, because, like... They're like, because they do the thing that we always mention. I always have to go back to Parks and Rec because I feel like, again, they kind of just nailed that uniformly yeah. across the board. And it just, it's the it's the standard nowadays for what good future technology looks like. They did this thing where they jump. So we'll, we'll get right into it. This jumps till 2022 into the future. Right. Like, 
that was something that anyone was hoping. And I here I'm watching this thinking, oh, this is like Parks that did the last season or like two thirds of the way through the last season or even like uh, four episodes. Of- no, it's just the last s- episode of the show. Well, the two part episode. Dumb as fuck, basically. And- and it's, like, not even, like, a, a place where Parks jumps till after the kids are older. I mean, I guess they kind of do that because they, they age up Stevie to the point where he's, you know, walking, talking, taking up way too much screen time. But, um, <laughs> but they they kind of, they jump to a place where it's just kind of like, this would be kind of a cool place for them to all be in their lives, right? Like, it has almost no bearing on where, and there's no conflict, nothing happens, it's completely void of any use like this is it's like basically like it's like the entourage writers took over the episode you know what i could compare it to because love it or hate it whether you enjoy it or not it's kind of feels almost like the epilogue to the harry potter series where it's like oh, i have nothing yeah. ag- i have nothing against the epilogue and people certainly derided it plenty but it's sort of just there to be like hey here's what everyone will be like in the future it, appropriate it, of nothing you know it's weird because obviously the idea of flashing forward in a finale has become something we see all the time and truly the only like, episode-specific flash-forward that ever worked for me was Six Feet Under, which is still, like, the pinnacle right. of the series finale. But yeah. they used it so smartly because the whole episode wasn't that flash-forward. It was just the very end. And I feel the like depth, if Weeds yeah. had done... Like, if it was interested in showing where its characters ended up, I think there was a way to do that that didn't dedicate two episodes to this weird, ambiguous, like, arbitrary seven-year flash-forward. And they, they, they take so much time to make it, like futuristic like if you'd spent some of that time on like actually interesting plots like this is such a boring it's just a bar mitzvah about a kid who doesn't even want a bar mitzvah it's 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 literally even the plot ends up being pointless by that point i was to minnesota and play soccer like who wants to focus on any character who wants to go to minnesota and play soccer once he starts giving that speech we'll, we'll get to that in a second but like when he starts giving that speech i was just like I'm. I was so checked out by that point. I was. I. I, I didn't. Like, it's. I didn't hate it in a way that I hated How My Mother, but it was almost just like an exercise in futility. Like the entire episode was just pointless, and they really like tried to make sure it was extra pointless because they kept adding in people and then not giving them any conflict. Even the Doug scenes, it's- like that's an easy way to be like, look, at least we resolved this one thing. And even that was, like, not really, it was kind of vaguely resolved, but in the worst way possible, where it barely even addresses the situation. It was crazy. I mean, a major problem with this episode is that it wants us to care about Stevie, and no one's ever cared about Stevie. I mean, personally, having jumped into it now, I didn't even see Stevie as a young adult. I mean, how old was he when no, he, I mean, he jumped? No, I mean, he was like a baby, pretty much like an infant, and then they jumped forward. I mean, he, he, <laughs> he was He's young. He's so dumb! It's really hard to remember now, but I don't feel like Stevie was ever like a character. I think he was playing soccer at one point, so I guess you could say like, as old yeah, as he got was like that. elementary. Because school. I remember all the, the racial jokes they made about him being good at soccer, of course. Right. Oh, oh, we can talk about race in this god. episode. Oh my right. god, the whole the whole show's premise is pretty. It's I mean it's very similar in the sense that, like it, obviously there's a lot of uh, parallels to Orange is the New Black just partly because of the cast obviously. and right. the creator, but like there's an especially like law lo- like large always over. I I forgot how obsessed with like the fact that this is just some white lady because. There is no prep. Like, even like I was sitting there thinking about it because in the beginning of the episode starts with a, they're at a PTA meeting. Well, besides the credits, which we're breezing over, they bring back the little boxes, which is kind of like bringing it back to its roots because 
obviously the show starts off as the the hilarious premise of a the oh my god this wacky <laughs> suburban mom deals pot but then i was sitting there thinking about it because they're all they're, of course there's two old old white dudes like she's rich and thin ooh, but she's got a dead husband weird it was so weird and, and it, but on top of it kind of it just came across to me i was sitting there thinking i'm like but honestly anyone who's ever met nancy botwin it's not really a shock that she deals pot. Like, it wasn't like it was, you know, the target lady deals pot. You know what I'm saying? Like, of all the situations, that's an easy way to nail, like, a joke. And I'm like, oh, okay, so they didn't even really... And it's kind of similar to Orange is the New Black, where it's like, isn't it so racy that this white suburbanite is going to jail? Woo! And then they find out, it's like, nah, she used to, like, help deal drugs. Like, it's not... it's, It's a struggle nowadays to try and find, like... I guess you'd call it like like shocking, like oh my god, can you believe that this 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 innocent white lady is dealing drugs? But it's just to me, it's like okay, it's just well, like eye roll basically. Yeah, I mean, like I, maybe even I mean, Orange is the New Black has its own obviously needed criticism of it, but it, to me at least that like that's jail, that's a new level. Although Nancy does eventually we like, go to jail throughout the. Oh, let's not talk Still. about that. <laughs> oh God, Jesus. I read I read some of the se- the season um synopses just to try and catch up and see what I missed and my God the stuff I'm glad I skipped over Seriously. I I can sleep at night thanks to that but um so anyway so so jumping ahead she's back in the PTA because that's Nancy Botwin everything's uh, secular on the show she's now just another suburban mom raising Stu- uh, CV to be I guess another shitty child society it's her <laughs> last chance to try <laughs> I mean honestly. I mean, it's just cause she's, she's a old. terrible mother. She's Let's a, ter- just be she's a terrible mother. Just, uh. I mean, that's so much of the show is her railing against the concept of what motherhood is. But I'm like, you're also endangering your children's lives and like partly like putting them in situations which lead to them becoming murderers. Like oh, completely. Well, I felt like that was such a great of uh, the listen. The episodes do a lot of mistakes, but one of the things I really enjoyed about it was that Megan hated Nancy so much for the yes, way she was Silas. And I thought like thank God finally somebody understands that Nancy's a terrible mom and should be looked down upon for a lot of the things she did to Shane and Silas. But you guys, Nancy's hot, so it's okay. <laughs> but I feel like many, I feel like even every that. Every was telling us how hot Nancy was. Oh, good God! But I feel like even that was kind of almost. We're viewing it. The show is obviously based around Nancy and her craziness, but partly it almost feels like we're supposed to be judging Megan for that. Oh yeah, like, for sure. But Megan's the only one calling her bullshit out. Like, who is, like, watching this show and, like... It's like the people that watch Breaking Bad. They're like, yeah, that's how I want to live my life. He's a hero. It's like, what are you talking about? It is <laughs> These are maniacs that are that are getting their family killed in the process. Like, are you out of your mind? And she's, I guess to some people, like, you know, rich and thin and sipping, uh, whatever the hell she was even sipping. I'm assuming it's coffee, but now nowadays in this, this future world, it could be anything. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, so the jump into 2022, uh, weed is legal across America because whatever, that's just going to be hilarious. Really, that should kind of put an end to her business, but instead she's now, like, basically like a CEO magnate of this like weed cafe yeah, and this yeah, is she's ahead of the curve I guess and I couldn't even like they, they there's a point when later on they have like they're all trying okay first of all Starbucks well okay I don't even know where to begin <laughs> Spy Kid is is in charge of her her front end which is like I don't even know where to start with that uh, Dar- is it Darren Sabar Daryl Sabar well here's the crazy yeah. thing that I guess you miss- 
In an earlier season, Daryl Sobaro's character shot Nancy in the head. Right. And I'm just like, I like that they brought him back, but also at the same time, I'm like, we're, this is the person we're trusting? Like the the son of your ex-lover who tried to kill you, you're going to put him in charge of your entire life? That seems like another great idea in a long She's list of Nancy Bob great ideas. Human. He's terrible. But, I mean, the joke is, I guess, being that, like, Nancy will work with anybody if, if it gets her what she needs. But it's just, like, it's it's reckless. Like, it doesn't yeah. seem like... Like, at this point, if she's supposed to be this, like, you know, removed from it all, PTA mom, you should just take her out of that situation completely. But instead, they just make her nonstop involved with it. And she's now running, like, basically, like, a Fortune 500 company is the way that they're describing it. Perhaps, I mean, she feels... She always fails upward the entire show. Yeah, that's what's, and that to me is like the, the hardness of it is that as a white lady, I mean, obviously she's not a white man, so there's a little bit of a, a pushback on there, but still, like all things considered, it's not a very compelling story to watch a white lady fail upward. Like that's kind of like watching the news. Like I don't know. <laughs> Yikes! And in, and instead of any. Like, there's no fallout to any of it. The closest you get the fallout, as we'll get to later, is the Andy stuff. Right. And I kind of respect that they kind of, they sort of lean into it. But then at the end, who knows? Because that's, again, it's kind of one of those ambiguous, like, what do you think it means ending? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. God, I hate that shit. But so, so anyway, so she she's now like a, like a corporate magnate. She's running these marijuana cafes that they get an offer from Starbucks to sell. Because, okay, that's uh, that's believable. I guess, uh, I mean, I guess in a world where, where marijuana is legal, Starbucks does want to corner the, the cafe industry in whatever competitor they have. But that still seems like 2022 is not that far away. It doesn't seem that likely. It seems plausible, but that's a very swift and, and intense uh, line to take. But so anyway, so she's now going to, pro- like, she potentially stands to make, I would imagine just shattering amounts of money because if Starbucks is going to buy you out, you're pretty much set for life, I'd imagine. Yeah. And so she uh, she and has other investors in this startup, which is the like little... It's called... First of all, it's called The Good Seed. Is that what that was? I, it, think, I think so. Most, your most last name yeah. used to be Botwin. Why can't you just do something with that? Like, it's right there, the botany and, like, winning or something. Like, you don't need to go out <laughs> and do the good seed. Name <laughs> Well, Botwin is, is, you could do something. I don't know. I, I just think the fact that it's the good seed just seems so dumb. But so, it's, it seems to be that it's her, Doug, s- dude, so the state's rights, like, dude with the accent, is he someone who was in season eight? I feel I- like he must have been, but I could not place him for the life of me, and I <laughs> felt like they never said his name for me to IMDb. No, me neither! I have no idea who he was. Yeah, and, like, he has such a terrible accent. Oh, I hated it. I it was, hated I don't it know so if it was put on, but it certainly seemed put on. It was, yeah. like, stereotypical southern, like, states rights, like, blah, blah, And he's the one really gunning oh, yeah. the money. That was most like, uh, that accent was mostly from a like a Canadian actor. Oh, good God. So it was a terrible <laughs> accent. But so he's, he's like, screaming at her on the phone. Not not in a mean way, just, like, super excited for this potential deal. And she's, like, I mean, she's interested in it, sort of. But she's, she's liked building her own industry. And I think she wants to stay in charge. So she's kind of like, let me consider it. She's not really on board yet. Whereas he, he tells her that Silas and Doug... And I think somebody else is okay with it. So, like, we're being introduced... Basically, we're being dropped in on, like, a a day-to-day life in the year 2022. And, like, there's this company we've never heard of before. So this is something that I'm like, oh, so maybe they, like, the last of the season eight before this starts, they think about going into business together and creating this company, and then we're flashing to where it's successful. 
No. It just, you have to, like, jump in and then try and figure out, okay, there's a board here, there's a board of directors, and Silas is one of them? Okay. And then, like, Silas has a kid, I guess? And we cut to Silas with a kid. I guess that was, that was at least a a thread through the show, where she gets pregnant at the end of season eight, I believe, right? That, uh, Megan? Did she? Yeah, I I think that she was poking holes in condoms in season eight. No, that was, Silas is the one who did it. Oh, Silas was. Okay. Oh, so she, right. she I knew there was something going she on. She was there. going to Princeton, basically. And Well, if you don't remember Megan, she was the deaf girl from season one. She was I always liked her the most. I love her so away. much. I love she's her great. so much. <laughs> she's great. Even back then she was always calling their bullshit out. Yeah. I really appreciated it. And and she seems like a good influence on his life, all things considered, because he seems a lot more functional now than he did up till season eight. Um, and so, I, yeah, I loved all the Silas as a dad stuff. I liked seeing him happy. Like he truly, he truly was always one of my favorite characters on the show. And I liked that when we returned at the start of the episode, he was very clearly and unequivocally happy with Megan, with his life, with his kid. Like I liked that he was able to make a life for himself despite yeah, rise the above nightmare. It. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. To like escape what Nancy did to him and yeah. create because something Shane, nice for Shane, the difficulty there, and there's a couple things at play here. There's like Shane was always a little bit crazy and almost more Nancy of the of the two of them. Like right. she, he was like kind of following not her. growing up at all, basically. Exactly. Totally. And I kind of get the fact that he has his own problems, but at least like she kind of always tried to keep that like on lock. She was more focused on Shane. Silas, she thought like, oh, he'll he'll deal with it. But really, like we find out in season eight. I mean, I, again, this is something that I had to research. This isn't. They don't even mention that in this episode. They just kind of throw it out there. Like he had to find out that his father wasn't really his father, and he had died. So it's like on top of that, there's like a whole bunch of guilt there, and it's pretty rough. And then on top of that, like he also was like constantly being targeted by his mom as like a competitor throughout season eight. So she was literally like trying to ruin his life, practically, <laughs> like trying to get him arrested at one point, more or less, because he was part of Michelle Trackenberg's crew, which oh, is right. a terrible yeah. sentence. <laughs> uh, but uh, she, so she basically was like really like a terrible mom to him specifically. I think Shane kind of just was like already like too far gone by the time he hit like six years old, whereas Silas was like always almost about to be like get his life together and then right. she'd go and and you know, just tear it down again. Yeah, Shane and, has been trash like since the beginning if we're, exactly. I mean he's never done anything that made me think he wasn't gonna kill a woman and then he did kill a woman and I was like yeah. we saw this coming. And and then even in this they throw it around like it's no big thing right. which is just terrifying. Botwin family <laughs> values. Yeah, and so so they they um they, they I mean they're, they're relatively they're relatively functional all things considered, but I think Silas is probably the more um he had a bigger falling. I mean, if Shane had had the stuff that Silas had happened to him, I feel like Shane would be even more messed up. Is what I'm trying to say. Totally. Whereas Silas, you you wouldn't even realize. I mean, some people probably throw that out there as Silas is just like the dumb blonde, which is kind of what he was when he was younger, but he's kind of grown up to be good at what he does. Like, he's he's very straightforward. He's like, I'm not a genius. I don't think he ever tried to, like, portray himself as, like, some kind of a, uh, you know, like a total game changer. But he liked gardening. He liked growing weeds. So he just did what he did well. I just succeeded at it and followed a path. Whereas Shane was more of, like, the Nancy where it's, like, they want to rule the world, kind of. And they don't have a, the ability to, the humility. It's kind of like Andy. It's weird that they're not really actually related, but it's kind of like Andy versus Nancy. Whereas Andy is comfortable in what he's good at. Being like, a good cook, a chef, loving people in his life, smoking weed. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> um, Nancy is good at many things, but 
just doesn't want to let herself be limited to one life. Like, she wants to be able to do exactly what she wants to do. She wants to succeed in the highest way possible. And when it turns out that there's just one more person above her, she actually wants their job, too. And I feel like at least this, this finale kind of gets her to a place where she tries to finally get over doing that. But, I mean, that's the, like we were saying, the failing upwards. This whole show has been her reaching, a, like, a, a zenith in her drug dealing and then going to the next level up. And to the point where she actually basically got to the high. I think when she was, when she hooked up with... Esteban? Esteban? Right? Yeah. So he, when she hooks up with him, that's, I think, is what they kind of describe as the highest up, right? Like, he was kind of the, the peak. Yeah, I mean, she was, it. like, married to, like, the king kingpin for right. 12 seconds until, you know, he was also murdered. Yeah. <laughs> so she's literally reached the highest highs that she could get in, in both, like, the illegal side of things. She also was married at one point to a DEA agent, so she's been on that side of things as well. And then she, now she's the CEO of her own company. So, like, she's done all those things, and I still feel like she's she's still not... She just keeps going and being more, like, antagonistic. But the weird failing of it is that we didn't even see her grow her business. I feel like it would have been way more interesting to watch her open these weed cafes than watch her yell at Michelle Trackenberg for half a season. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> why didn't they do this? Like, I know we're thinking back to... I always think about the parks, and they did it successfully, but, like... The whole jumping forward thing, I know it's now kind of even more in vogue than it's been in the past, but it just seems like the kind of plot device that you should use very sparingly. And instead here, they use it just to jump past all the interesting stuff to the really boring part where everything's over with. Well, that's the weird thing. Like, this show is based, has been about, you know, drugs and the illegality of drugs for so long. So to really spend no time on this huge revelation that weed is legal in the world, like, I think the it would biggest. have been... Yeah, like, I think it would have been so cool for them to dedicate... I mean, listen, I don't need to see, like congressional hearings played out on weeds but i feel like you could easily do something that would be interesting to watch how that affects nancy's life when weed is suddenly legal like what does she do now like to me if that were the entire final season that culminated in the same finale i might care a little bit more and then you could even do a montage and forget the fucking PTAs meeting that no one asked for in the beginning of, of just the episode. The, of just, yeah. I mean, honestly, that would be so much simpler. And I I think it's maybe a product of the fact that it was it came out just before a lot of the legalization, legalization stuff really hit. Yeah. Like, it was still coming. It was up to a head in, in Colorado, obviously. But, like, now it's really, like, at a point where it's legal in, I think, four or five states. And it's definitely got measures in a lot of different ballots across the country it's not the kind of thing where it's like mm, this is unreasonable that that weed is 100 percent legal i don't think it'll be legal across the board in 2022 necessarily but it's certainly something that they could have said they moved to wherever they moved like she could move to colorado and then they're gonna be selling weed there like there's a lot of they did actually at one point live in seattle ironically but they left before it, went, it got legal there but they didn't spend any time on that and that's the kind of thing that there's been movement towards that for almost a decade at this point. Well, longer than that. I mean, it's been going on for decades and decades at this point. But really, like, the last five to seven years or so has really pushed forward. They could have predicted that that would happen and just gone gone with it in season seven or eight. But instead of actually jumping forward then, they waited until just now to do it. Yeah. And they did it in the most, like, in, in such a dumb way, too, because, like... There's little things, like, we're earlier on, Silas and, and uh, Megan are in a, in a bodega, and they, like, I think he buys weed cigarettes, yeah. is what that's supposed to be? Yeah. That was so dumb. That was so, too, it was too subtle. I mean, it was obviously, like, a package that was weed cigarettes, but, like, 
let them go to a dispensary or something. Like, make that their daily trip instead of, like, buy milk at the next to the dispensary instead of, like, just grabbing weed cigarettes off a bodega. I'm like, that sounds like you're overpaying, to be honest, but whatever. No, I mean, it's weird that you say that because the one thing that I thought about the episode as a whole that was very strange was how subtle so much of it is. And I understand on the one hand, you didn't want to, they probably didn't want to make it like a, look, we're in the future. But it took me so long to realize what was happening into the right. start of that episode. I was like, I'm like, give me a Chiron. Give me a something that just says, like, the year, blah, 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 and we would have been fine. It's just very strange to me that you have to do, you spend the entire first scene trying to figure out what's happening. So you're not even paying attention. And you're just like, Nancy has weird hair, and she's in this PTA thing. I don't understand. And it oh, just, exactly. You know, like, by the time you catch up to where the show is... You've, I mean, listen, you're not missing much by missing that PTA scene, but you're still missing an entire scene that they obviously felt was important enough to saddle us with to open this episode. And I don't even know what they even, like, they discussed, they pretty much just hit on her via the, the convo in the room. So right. it's not even like you're really getting anything from it. Like, exactly. you could have just pulled that whole scene. They could have just been talking about how weed's legal, and isn't it funny that she's a kingpin now? Because she's a legal kingpin, and that's what's so like, incontrovertible compared to before is that she's kept getting to a place where she was almost, like, in charge of everything, but then she just gets shut down by the law. And now the law is so open to it that that Shane is a police officer, which we'll get to in a minute, but my god, that that on its own, I had some stuff to say about that. But so, um, so... Moving along from there, they 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 show the inside of this marijuana cafe where Spy Kid is on the keyboard on the table, looking super futuristic. But that's not even that futuristic. That's already an app that exists. Yeah, I loved it. I was like that. I mean, listen, that was probably my favorite thing in the whole the the little keyboard on the thing. I was like, I like these phones. I don't know why. I have a weird yin for theoretical technology that exists in future episodes of television. That was okay. I like the phones. They were thin. I liked that they were thin phones. I agree. That was like the one. Like, solid. Because I feel like that's a kind of a universal acknowledgement is that maybe phones will get super thin eventually. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I could deal with that because that means they probably won't break. Um, and that's that's fine because the lighter they are, if they fall, even if it's glass, it's hopefully a little bit more. I don't know. So that was at least believable for me as well. But, like, the fact that, like, he was, he was like, they, they spent, like, a full, like, minute on the insert shot of him, like, typing on that keyboard because we're like, isn't this crazy? He's right. typing on the insert. I'm like, no. Like, no. I've seen people use that <laughs> at, like, the Apple store. It's not that big uh, a deal. But so he's, like, kind of just like, hey, yeah, business is great. Like, but I heard that we're going to potentially sell out. And she's just, like, you know, still pondering the concept. Um, and then, I mean, to me, I'm like, I understand the, the idea of wanting to, to sell out. But I feel like this episode tries to really, like, look, here's why she's going to sell out. But to me, it doesn't do a good enough job convincing you it's worth it. It seems to me like she should have just stayed in, bought everybody else out, and then just kept doing what she was doing. Because, it I, again, it just sort of seems like she completely prioritizes her business and her and her personal life over everybody else in her life. Well, you know, the one thing I'll say about that is the thing that I sort of felt about Nancy always, and really in this sort of selling of the company is that she spends so much time in the show trying to, you know, take care of her family or the, the terrible way she thought she was taking care of her family. And on some level, she had finally done it, it feels like, through the creation of these stores. And by having, you know, her son involved and other people in her life involved, it feels like this is just another way for her to control them. So by not selling the stores, what she was doing was forcing these people to be in her life for, prof- you know, professional reasons, because I think she knows how quickly people would leave her behind if they didn't have this sort of financial stake tied into her. 
Right. I mean, again, it's it's kind of like they're all grown up, but they're not really grown up because at the end of the day, she still writes their writes their uh, paychecks. Or exactly. Whatever, but... Like she won't let them grow up once again. She won't let them move on. Yes, she's created this business and allowed them to benefit in it and they have, you know, all the money they could want. But at the same time, like she's still the one who has the purse strings. And it's so weird. Okay, so this is the point where Shane, Shane shows up with... Now this is I I was wondering I'm like is this something that was season eight I yes. don't know so I, mean, I did a so Ma- Michael Harney the you know the warden from Orange is the New Black or whatever that Mr Healy yeah oh God. he was Ugh, like even Shane, creepier on this show than he is on Orange is the New Black he was disgusting Black. when he when he says that finger test thing to Stevie I oh, had like God. a full body shiver that made me want to die oh, um, but I guess he was about like, I guess he was like Shane's lieutenant when Shane was trying to be a police officer. Right. Oh, in early in the beginning of the season, or yeah. early in this, okay, I get you. Well, at least that kind of tracks. But and then the Natasha Leon character, what is she doing there? I loved it. I don't, Natasha Leon makes everything better, no matter what it is. Oh, I agree. I but was she I was, someone who was introduced no, earlier? No, no. I love she's it. Just in this episode, she's just in this episode. So bizarre because she walks in there like she's been there the whole series. Well, I think like, that's oh, yeah. just, I think Natasha Leon just walks into every room like she's been there always. There's just something I, about her that's so yeah. compelling to her. If the show wanted to add her as a late season addition, he'd be like, oh, she's been here the whole time. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, it's, it's so strange <laughs> to me because she kind of comes across like she. It's weird, because this is the series finale, and it's the first time we've seen this woman, and she literally, again, she takes up a lot of the screen time, and I'm not going to complain, because it's, again, who could hate that, but it's more of a, it's more of a surprise to me that the show was so willing to just completely sacrifice, it says so much about how little they actually had to say about these characters that they were so obsessed with putting back in this episode, because she does a better job than most of them do. And they were all on the show for, I think everybody else that shows up has been on there for at least a half a season or a season at least. Right. Yeah, like I, even I feel like, like early season stuff. I feel like Natasha Leone and the other woman who is Michael Harney's girlfriend or whatever, the other drunk one were really the only two people who were like new. Everyone else new. felt like they had been in the world. Yeah. And okay. So, so this is the point where we, well, they're there, basically, they, this is when, this is when it's all introduced, like, way, way late into the episode, because, again, they're not even, they're not holding your hand for a minute, and some shows I'm okay with doing that, because I'm willing to, like, take a step up, but they didn't give us enough to actually catch up, it was just sort of like, here, you're in this, it's like, it's like if you walked into someone's house and you were trying to find where the, the, they keep their cups, it's always a gamble, you're never <laughs> gonna know for sure, because some people are crazy, and they keep them, like, way, way, way up above everything, and it's like, okay, fine, live your life, but, so here, you, you walk into this, and you're thinking, oh, okay, I kind of get, like, Shane's now a cop, because that's kind of where he left off, Silas is, I guess, part of the business, they made up, and he's just still growing, and that's good for him. But Andy's definitely moved away, like he said he would, and he's, like, completely out of their lives. Because, again, you're not really finding this out until someone mentions him offhandedly, like, seven or eight minutes into the episode. <laughs> so I was like, all right. And then, um, uh, on top of that, they get a couple of, like, references to people who didn't show up. Now, Celia, I forget what happened to Celia. I mean, they wrote her off a long time ago. I don't think Why she would you not that. bring her back? <laughs> you ran away from the show. I mean, yeah. understandably, believe me, but like, I guess they just couldn't convince her to come back because she my was God, there for five out of these eight seasons, and honestly, Celia shouldn't have been in the show that long. Elizabeth Perkins great; she should not have been in the show this long. 
Oh, I agree. But I'm just, of all the people they didn't bring back, I'm like, my God, that would be the one person that that we get like 30 minutes of like. It was for lack of trying, that's for sure. Oh, that's probably true. I was mad we didn't get get Conrad either. Yes, I was going to say, that's the other person, Conrad. I know. I know Halia came back in season eight, so at least we got some of Halia. But like, it's. It's weird to me that they spent so much time focusing on these new characters, which, I mean, at least in, in Leon's care in, in her place, at least it made sense, because she's great. But, like, I don't need to see this much of whatever his name, not Sam Healy. Well, yeah, that, were, that was gross. They were able to get Ronnie Malco back to guest for, like, earlier in the season, but, yeah, not for this. Yeah, him and Haley, yeah, they were back, I think, just in, in like, two or three episodes. Yeah, Haley was in season end. seven, uh, he was in season eight, and then, yeah. Oh, Okay. So they had a little bit of them. And then um, the other person, I, I mean, they, they mention a lot off and on is um, Celia and uh, Dean's kid. I can't remember her name. Oh, Isabel. It's Who? Isabel. Yes. But they, they mention that Isabel is now transgender. And I guess the joke is that she's, she's I'm like, what? It, I'm like, I never understood that because I thought she was clearly just a lesbian before. It was... The joke just escalates for them. I just, I don't, I don't feel like they got anything out of it where they needed to make that joke. It was just very like, but you have to remember, I mean, this was what, I mean, I don't want to, this was 2012, which is not that long ago, but also at the same time, I feel like we lived in a, I think this goes to show, like we lived in such a different trans world then where people still felt making trans jokes was something that was funny. Well, I remember back when she was still on the show, even just making lesbian jokes was well, hilarious. Yeah. Ridiculous that is considering it's Genji Cohen's show. And, right. and now she's so revolutionary with Orange of the New Black right after this. And like, that's what, it's that's crazy. Why, honestly, when Orange of the New Black was announced, I had the most reservations possible. Everyone was so excited. I'm like, you guys saw Weeds, right? I watched all of it. Why are you so excited for this show? And honestly, Orange of the New Black, like I was saying before... It has a lot it has of problems. problems. It's very overrated, honestly. Yes. And I, I think go the way of weeds in, in a second. Oh, and I, sure. you, you made a great point a long time ago, Toya, which I still remember every time I think about it, is that it's basically just, it's like a, it's, it's lost in prison. Like that's <laughs> and it's dead on. It's yeah. literally exactly what it is. It's just flashbacks to their life before the island, wink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I mean, like, it, it's, it's a, it's a different show, but I think that like it says a lot. I just when they when they brought it up too, it just it sounded so tone deaf for them to be like, "She's got a dick now." Like, oh yeah, that's hilarious, guy. Like it was just only four years ago. It says a lot that it's already so completely out of date. But like, Absolutely. I was still thinking back. I'm like that poor girl. She was never. I was trying to think. I'm like she was never mean on the show, and she was the only person that actually gave a shit about Shane. Yeah, it seemed like for most of the first half of the se- the entire series, mm-hmm. and the biggest joke was that oh my god, she's like a 11 or 12 year old who likes girls. Can you fucking believe it? Like it's crazy. And this is like wow. I wanted to get one last dig in. They could have at least. Oh, maybe he was like. That's what you get for going to the supportatory. You're getting a penis. Yeah, exactly. That's where she was at the time, so... They just couldn't get it, yeah. But so, it was just such a shitty, like, offhand... They were just terrible. Everything about... This is like a show full of terrible parents. That's the show. It could just be called Terrible Parents. Unless you're called... I guess maybe Silas is the closest... Silas and Megan are the closest to decent parents. Which is saying something insane. Exactly, exactly. I'm like, that's... Even then, it's like, well... They're not even amazing, but they're better than that garbage. But so, so anyway, so they're, they're, um, also, I love when Shane shows up, he says the sentence, secrets are the privilege of the rich. I mean, Shane is 
First of all, I can't take anything he says seriously when he has that mustache, mustache. on his face. It is... Well, he's a cop now, Jared. So, so distracting. <laughs> and there's also something so uh, youthful about Alexander Gould, the actor, that I just never bought him as an adult. So maybe they felt they needed to do the mustache to make him look grown up. But it was distracting. It was like when he's, every boy that- in your high school grows facial hair and you're like, stop it. That's not for you. It's that, like, Nemo realness. You can never really <laughs> outrun it. But so to me, the the creepy thing about Shane is that, like, depending on the angle, he looked either 15 or, like, 55. Like, Absolutely. It was creepy. <laughs> yes. Like, there were certain times when he was sitting there and, and like, it would, from the side he'd look really old. And then, like, they'd, they'd get him dead on and it was like, oh, my God, you basically put, like, a, one of those, like, little glasses and nose mustache yeah. combos on, a, like, a 12-year-old. So it was really a poor choice, I think, but I think they wanted to really emphasize, look, he's a cop now, and he's old, and isn't it weird? And um, he couldn't have been older than, what, 25? But they were acting like he was, I mean, he, I guess, supposed to be around 25, maybe, more or less, but he certainly was trying to act like he has, like, two divorces under his belt <laughs> or something. Like, it was weird. It, it was very strange. Terrible, it was terrible. Very, like, odd choice. <laughs> But I just, the fact that he walks in and, like, literally, like, third sentence he says his secrets are the privilege of the rich. I was like, oh, shut your fucking mouth. Shut up, like, boy. this family, this oh. this white family who's basically profited off of nothing, like, literally, like, every single time they profit off of something, it's almost 100% a minority. So it's like, you cannot be, like, throwing sentences like that around and just, like, uh, okay, fine, you're not, is he down on the board of directors? I don't think he no, is, so, like, I mean, okay, I, fine, I, you're not that yeah. rich, but still. Like, yeah, sure. I guess he decided to go the other way, because he didn't realize, hey, it's all going to become legal, so. Well, even then, it seems, I don't think he's doing that terribly, and if he is, that's his own, he could probably, well, he, by the end of the episode, who knows, he might actually move back in with Nancy anytime <sighs> he wants, so deal with it. But, um, so, then they start talking about the bar mitzvah. So this is where, this is the, the kind of the first time the bar mitzvah's really been introduced. It's kind of, like, hinted at before. But they're here in town for, uh, her, her son, who is now, I don't know how old bar mitzvah is. Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay, yeah. so he's, he's a teenager. Do you not know any Jewish people? <laughs> That's why I'm here, Latoya. Didn't you know? I had, that's oh, why you <laughs> Yeah. I knew I knew it was I knew it was a teenager. I didn't know if it was thirteen or sixteen, but that makes more oh sense. It's when a boy becomes a man. It's when a boy becomes a man. That's the that, whole thing, right? That is right. Um. So he he's like pre- he's prepping for his bar mitzvah, and he's excited because I mean he doesn't get to see his uncles a lot, which I felt kind of sad about because I'm like, what's stopping them? I guess because they're in the middle of uh, is it Michigan? I think they moved to Michigan. It, I so think like, that's what they said. Again, okay. one of the other things, just give me a Chiron. We'll call it Anything, so please. Easy. Well, she used to live in Dearborn, Michigan, and I think that's where they moved back to. But again, it's not even, who knows? They who could knows? have moved again and they never mention it. Who knows? No, no, no information. But so he's he's getting ready for this bar mitzvah. Doug's coming back to town. Doug, who had hinted earlier that he wanted to form a cult, successfully formed a cult and is now the head leader of a cult. More <laughs> information than I ever wanted to do with this cult. Like, I don't understand how anyone could... I just, it, I've never thought when I was watching this show, it could use more Doug, but they decided I that was what they wanted. a hundred percent the same way. I found him to be the most annoying character all the time. And this is a show filled with annoying characters. Yeah, no one likes Doug. Why? Well, Why? I think people liked him early on. No, because I, remember, he was like, I remember like people's responses as I was watching it and no one liked Doug. No one understood why well, Doug was still a character on the show. But you're also, you're also 
your 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 uh, focus group is television watchers that we follow on Twitter and stuff. I know like my father and people like that if they were watching the show Doug's their way in like a hundred percent that is like oh yeah Doug's got it fucking made like because in the early episodes of the show he is I think like town councilman or something like that and he's got this whole like system figured out where he's basically right. in his office all day getting high he's living life he's golfing with everybody. And then it really only becomes a, a really confused... I mean, that made sense to me because it's like, it's the same way that people watch it for Nancy and they think, ooh, what if I dealt weed to the people of the PTA? Like, that's kind of the other demo they're going after. But, like, the Doug stuff became vastly irrelevant by the time they actually picked up from a drastic and started leaving. Because why is Doug following them? It's completely... Po- I guess that's kind of why he disappears for a little bit of time, but he's pretty much there from season to season, just in different parts of the season. Like, he'll show up halfway through a season... People are telling him from certain places. I don't know. It's, it's, to me, he's the u- most useless character on the show. And that's a show that includes Shane. So that says I'm <laughs> sure. Because a- anything that involves Shane... Okay, first of all, all right. We got to the the Mitzvah part. Let's talk about the fact that Shane's a cop. Now, I know that happens in season eight anyway. So it's already something that's happened. But to me, I'm like, what kind of... Uh, it, to me, it's like the epitome of just a white guy. Because... Only a white guy could get shot a few black people in his day. And also, like, full-on murdered a lady. Like, not even subtle brags about it at dinner parties. I mean, perhaps that was, to be honest, a very astute thing about who was actually filling out our law enforcement. I know. I mean, it's a very dark commentary on (laughs) on the fact that he not only uh, gets in without, like, any real background check, he he succeeds. It seems like he's doing a great job. He's, he's been a cop for several years at this point, and... Although, I, I have to say, I was, like, a little... I was a little dubious that Shane was still a cop in this, because it seemed like, yes, he had a badge, which we saw in that horrifying scene where he shot the cake. <laughs> we'll get to that! But... I mean, do we think he's still a cop, or do we think he's, like, some disgraced, pathetic, like, meter maid who just has a badge? I don't know. I almost... That would make a lot of sense as well, but I also... Like, as much as it would make sense that he was just a creepy meter maid that did nothing, or, like, a desk sergeant who just checks in inventory or something... He could. I bet you. I would just as easily believe he's about yeah. to be promoted to the FBI because that's the way this country's like. Like uh, that is he's, fair. That is he's fair. either the highest or the lowest. You can never. And he's. He's. Weird thing is, is Shane is not an idiot in, in in every respect. He certainly could be good at whatever he's doing if he really like put his his mind to it. It seems like because he he's always been kind of like the more menacing one because he does think about things a little more seriously than say Silas would where. He thinks about, well, if you do this, then this is going to happen. Whereas some of the rest of the, the, the group, like Doug and Andy and Silas, were more focused on just, you know, the immediate results. Whereas I think he's kind of like Nancy. He's always plotting. Which right. is not always a, not what you necessarily want in a police officer. <laughs> Someone but, who's just plotting. But I mean, Latoya, maybe you remember, but I have memories of, like, either in season six or season seven, like when Shane was either starting to become a cop or wanted to become a cop. Like, he, he had solved some big case or he did something that was very astute of him that made him want to be a cop. Am I crazy? I feel like he actually was good, but then he had this yeah, I saw do as too. his mentor, so it didn't help anything anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it'd be the it'd be the equivalent guys, if you haven't seen this, to Sam Healy being someone's mentor. It's never gonna end well. <laughs> Truly. It's terrifying and you end up like poor Lauren Lapkus. But so <laughs> to me, like I, 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 I buy putting that guy in a cop role because that's the funny thing is that his mom's the, the drug kingpin and he's a cop. Fine. I love that. That's great on paper. Actually, it would make more sense if Silas had become a cop, to be honest, because at least that felt a little bit more 
like, oh, he's, it's a different choice. Whereas Shane as a cop just sort of seems like... You don't have to have him grow a weird fake mustache, so... (laughs) Although I did find, I I found Hunter Parrish's beard a little unnerving until later in the episode. At the beginning, he looked a little homeless in that first minute. Oh, listen, I am, I mean, Hunter Parrish, clean shaven, (laughs) beard, half beard, full beard, goatee, mutton chops, what? Well, the rest of the episode I liked, (laughs) don't get me wrong. I think it was partly just like the whole look of that bodega. He just looked, they all looked dirty. They looked like they were homeless and like... Yeah, he had had like a weird... Steven Tyler's scarf situation happening yeah, exactly. that I found real strange. So I get what you're saying, though. I was just worried for the child, basically, because they're, they're holding the child. <laughs> uh, but so so they, later on, we find out that the Shane is the cop, and then among Shane, everybody else sort of slowly shows up to this, this I guess... Uh, it's supposed to be like a pre-party or something. It's like a it's yeah, not... it's like a bar mitzvah weekend. Like oftentimes, as local Jewish correspondent Jared Westman can tell you, <laughs> there's sort of like a festive. It's like you do just like a lot of events. There's like you know you have a uh, like a little party the night before, and then the bar mitzvah okay. itself after the ceremony. So it's like it's like Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. <laughs> sure, let's say but, that. But we'll for, say that for, for the Gentiles in the room. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, but so they're they're like kind of they're just warming up. Everyone's there, and Nancy is of course literally only like it almost feels to me not that this is the case because it's literally the reason why someone gets a bar mitzvah because he's thirteen. It almost felt like she was putting it all on just as a ruse to get Andy to show up. It did feel that like, way. It's like her entire motivation is like what Nancy wants, and Nancy wants to fucking Andy, which is like most of the show after season like two or three no i but, do um, agree i mean she spent the entire party basically talking about andy why andy wasn't there or like being like is andy here is that andy is that dora she's like, like one of those people i want to describe it for someone who hasn't seen the episode it's like the most unnerving thing is like when you're talking to someone and they're like holding a drink and they're looking off behind you yes, the whole time like, staring like that like is right the worst human being yeah. like okay you do that for, like, five minutes if you're expecting someone to show up and, like, they owe you some money or something. I don't know. But, like, you don't do that for, like, literally 25 minutes. Like, the rest of this episode is her staring towards the door, like, maybe he'll show up. Like, way to make us interested in your other characters because you could not look more disinterested. Like, she looks like this is boring, but we're here watching it, Nancy. You can't pay attention. We're supposed to. <laughs> but, uh, so she's off, like, staring, like, whatever. And uh, later on she shows up and, and Megan especially is just, like, basically fuck off from word one like megan does not flinch at all she's just get away from me i'm sick of you like i, I don't want anything to do with you doug shows up in his purple outfits with his purple oh my god i his... guess followers or something i never understood what was going on there and i'm glad of it i it didn't was, want to spend it was really creepy thinking. i didn't like any of it i don't appreciate people who think doug is a god a guru. or has any answers to even anything. calling him guru doug felt Oh, it the, was the so creepy. People in the show are just so. Oh, it makes me embarrassed. Um, but so so anyway, so they're they're there. They mention like some other people, like I mentioned, um, uh, Isabel, um, other like they don't. I don't think they mention Celia, but they mentioned like people from the past. That's they. It's like kind of like a big. It's like a class reunion for like seasons one exactly. through seven of Weeds. It's not something you necessarily want to watch unless you're super invested in the show. And then um, they they kind of make the rounds saying hello to everybody. Megan of which is is not not into it at all. Um, Doug talks to Sanjay's wife, um, which is a weird. I forget that relationship. I know that Sanjay is definitively gay. I believe. Yes, I think it was like a marriage of convenience for some reason that I don't even remember. But anymore. why now? It's been what ten it's years? Been... Like what? Whatever reason should have expired by now. But they have kids. 
I was confused by that, too. They mentioned they have kids, I think. I think so. It was very... Which is even more upsetting, because I'm like, this. what's happening there? Like, that can't be a... I mean, maybe it's a help... Hey, if it's working for them, I'm not going to judge it, but it just felt like a really weird... I remember there once was a reason. I just don't remember at all what that reason was anymore, and the show, once again, had no interest in reminding me. No, no, absolutely not. He was there just to make the joke of... He's he's having he's taking into way too much cock to be vegan, which is like, all right, thanks, show. Which, by the way, uh, one of three people to talk about having a penis in his mouth in that in the, ser- in the series finale. I just yeah, it was, it was notable. It was notable. I would have I would have preferred so much more if if it had turned out this whole time that Doug was closeted or something because at least then it would have made a little more sense you know what like i don't want to be rude but we're not we're not interested in having him on our (laughs) sorry well that's probably a good choice i will speak definitively for the fictional gay characters (laughs) but so yeah so he's uh silas silas and i said just dude i i don't know that guy i think he's somebody who who came back from earlier in the episode he's probably muscle the the big beefy black guy. Yeah. Oh, he was yeah he was part of the operation towards the later run of episodes. Okay, so I know I kind of I was like okay I, it seems to me like he was obviously like over the years they've employed many uh, minority to basically do all their hard work for them which is horrible but it really is like those ep- this scene especially is just kind of like let's just cut from person to person who's just done all our dirty work for us because one of which is somehow I mean I guess they left on good terms with them but I didn't know that. It's Guillermo, I think, right? Yeah, like, and I think Guillermo is the other investor in Nancy's business. Which is even crazier because, I, I mean, my God, like that that whole situation just felt really fraught with just bad blood, it and was. instead they just threw it all under the rug and they're like, whatever. Even though he was a creepy like villain for most of the show, and then she took advantage of him constantly. Like, it was just a terrible poisonous relationship, and then of course it ends up being like this funny thing they talk about at a party for her kid. But Nancy only has terrible poisonous relationships with men. That's like, true. Let's be real. Like that's sort of like the defining trait of weeds is Nancy's terrible toxic relationships with men. Ironically, you could you could claim that Nancy is a weed. I guess. Oh kind of... my god, it works on so many levels. <laughs> I want to. Yeah. I want while we're talking about Guillermo, I want to briefly touch upon basically my favorite thing in the entire episode, mm-hmm. which was his all carb diet, which is something I, I dream about as a person who loves to eat. It's all I think about. If it ex- if it worked, it would be amazing, and I like that. In twenty twenty two, I can look forward to the dietitians of the world having deemed yes, that is a, in that. fact a way to lose weight. I'm very excited. Well, I I just I, I mean, maybe we'll just all start taking that as an excuse because who doesn't want to just pull <laughs> a huge like Tupperware like set of pasta just, just straight up pasta it's and a just real start dream. eating in the middle of a party just like a real dream of mine I'm not gonna lie I would rather have that than legal marijuana across the entire wow. country I would rather have this all car wow. diet be something that's, real. It's a brave stance to take. I'm just but letting it, you I know. respect it. I'm here for I'm here for that carb life. Yeah, so she he's there eating that, and then I I kind of liked again this is kind of the show whitewashing in the most literal sense is that he starts talking to uh, Stevie in Spanish and not like aggressive Spanish just 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 like hey congratulations you know your father was like a kingpin but using like Spanish words a little bit at first and then like tran- like starts going into just full Spanish and Stevie just stares at him blankly like. Yeah, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> and and I think, and, and Guillermo kind of understandably is like, what? He's like, you don't speak Spanish? You're like the son of 
Esteban, and you don't speak Spanish? I was like, okay. Well, he, was, he didn't know Esteban and... at all, because Esteban was killed when he was, like, a toddler. Oh, and of course. And that's, I mean, rabbi. Exactly, and it makes sense that he doesn't, but I just, it was just so... I think it was kind of, a, it was it was interesting to me that, first of all, it's like the first time Esteban's practically ever talked to him, it sounds like. Like, he didn't know up to this point that he doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> like, yeah, how, how involved in his life could you be? It was like, strange. But so he, he's just like, oh, you don't speak. And then he, this is where he kind of drops the big bomb, which comes into play very quickly in, in the rest of the episode, which is, oh, you do know that your father was like a kingpin. And it, it becomes clear that Nancy, in a long list of terrible things that she's done to ruin the lives of others around her, has lied to Stevie and told him that she dated a guy who was, I guess, framed or something like she doesn't even describe what he did or what he who he was just he was a good guy he got framed for some bad stuff and then got killed because of it or something like that right like just the 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 least realistic description of Esteban that could ever have been described like it was the exact opposite of Esteban like he if you never will have seen that that season i think or he was maybe a season and a half he's in the dude was not in the least being taken advantage of. He died by his own hands, more or less, and was a literal kingpin. Like, he was the highest level... I mean, you'd say criminal and and businessman possible. And I think it really freaked Stevie out. I guess understandable. You'd probably be pretty freaked out to find out that your father was basically, like... I mean, I don't know how the what the equivalent would be. I, I, mean, I mean, I just don't... Here's my thing, like... I don't understand why that was necessary for the show. Like, I don't understand what point that served to inform this child we have never met before that his father was a character we had not seen in years. It, I, like, I know it plays into, like, the bar mitzvahness of it all, but, like, if the theme is Nancy letting go, which it seems like it is in a lot of different ways, I don't understand how... Stevie finding out who his dad was to have that conversation at the bar facilitates any of that. It's just that seems weird. like a boring season eight premise instead of a boring series finale right, premise. Totally, like, it's odd. It's why introduce that at the very last minute? It uh, was completely useless. I just didn't see how that really was of benefit in any real way. Yeah, and and then okay, well, I mean, at the same time that's happening. Speaking of of sons with disappointing fathers. Doug decides to try and get back in his son's life because I think he's talking to Dean or someone like that. And he's like, what's the obsession with all these sons? Mm-hmm. And then in, I think it's Dean or someone else says to him, hey, it's your legacy. Yeah. And he's like, it's almost like someone dumped a bucket of cold water on him. Like, he's never considered what a legacy is up until this point. Like, Doug is the worst. Like, why he's are we worst. following this he's guy's life? And so he calls up. I mean, I know he was on the show in early seasons, but I will never not see him as just shameless. Oh, they, so, I mean, but so good. I but love... So he, he, he calls him in, and I, I'm gonna refer to him as Jimmy, but I forget his name on the show. Josh. Something, Josh, okay. So Josh, his son, who left, I think he was... one. He was, like, in one episode of season one or season two. Justin Chatwin is in one episode of the show prior to the series finale. Wait, you're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding. I mean, I can look I know up. he felt like he was only there for a little bit, but my god, I didn't realize it was that that abrupt my god that's this they spend my god they spend like three or four scenes on him i mean mary kate olsen was in more of this show than justin chatwin (laughs) i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna to to deny them the fact that they wanted to to involve people from previous seasons because that's a funny little like bookend to everything but why 
why someone who's literally only in the pilot? He's, he's the oh, source he, of the it is. It, he is in the first episode of the show, and that's it. Because I guess the, the point is that uh, when I guess got a career after that, so I guess. But again, you're spending so much time in your series finale trying to redeem a character that the audience doesn't really like through a character we have not seen since the pilot. It just is a strange choice on Gen I, I, I swear to God, when he first shows up at his door and they, they kidnap him and they bring him in, I didn't know who it was. I yeah. was like, wait, why is he here? I'm like, oh, right, he was on this show. Like, you gotta do something to build that up. Like, show a picture of him in Doug's wallet before then, like a young version of him, and say, like, remember when he used a deal here? Like, do something that's, like, resembling, oh, yeah, he was a character on the show. Because, like you're saying, though, he has a career outside the show. I couldn't remember. Those those roles have far shaded this role. In fact, that makes me dislike him more because he's such a creep on Shameless. <laughs> But yeah, so he just shows up out of nowhere, and they kidnap him. And now, I, I guess that was the thing in this in the in the, the episode he's in is that he was gay, or was that I, not? Yeah, I'm guessing he. Yeah, he was kicked out of the house because he was gay. Right. So then, the 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 flash forward to now is that he is in a committed relationship. He's a lawyer now, and his dog was adorable. <laughs> I had more interest in, in his son than I had Doug. Oh man, I was real worried about those hardwood floors. I was like, did the dog pee on the floors and how do you fix because that? Because you have to presume that Doug is now in Michigan, right? If he's there at Nancy's house yeah, and that's sure. where he's being kidnapped to. So where's this guy living? Brooklyn. Is he living? That's the only Chiron we get is somewhere Wait, in Brooklyn. Wait, was that really? Oh my God. Right? That's what they said. It's This is, this is the worst. The timing the was worst. weird. The timing was weird. I mean, I guess the lesson here is that the reason people follow Doug is because he invented a teleportation device. Right? Because was was he getting on an airplane? Because there's no way you're you're allowed to put a, a bag over someone's head on an airplane. That's even in 2022. I, I guarantee that doesn't fly. So I don't understand how he got to Michigan twice. Not just once, twice. After the first time, don't you change your locks and, like, maybe get I mean, a security system or something? And maybe stop you know opening I mean? the door for people in all purple silk robes. <laughs> I don't know. Just a thought. Don't just an- answer the door to anybody who shows up. Like, UPS. I'm like, no. UPS. <laughs> like, just say, leave it on the leave 11, it on the front door. It's 11 p.m. at night. What are they doing here? Let me open the door and find out. <laughs> you you never need to open your door for UPS, either. That I mean, even true. if you need to sign it. You want tracking this shit, guy? I know! It's 2022! There are drones leaving packages, not <laughs> UPS men, my god. But so anyway, so he, he's like, okay, um, I want to basically, I want to redeem our relationship, I want to reconnect. And, and Josh, understandably, is like, well, first of all, kidnapping me and taking me across country, not the way to do it. But second of all, no. <laughs> I have no interest in you. You're a terrible father. And this is, I think this is the real point of why he's in this episode, is that he shows up and, and walks over to Nancy and says, like, hey, Nance. And they kind of catch up, like, oh, my God, you're, like, the person that got me into drug dealing, and now I'm this successful drug right. dealer. And he's like, and I'm a lawyer. And she's like, oh. And he's like, I was always good at bullshitting. It's just like, oh, God. Like, I get why they're doing this. This is the kind of the equivalent of, like... It's kind of like if, if they did a Hangover 30, they'd show the baby from the first one grown up. Like, I get why they're doing it. But think, it's just... Yeah, and I think oh, there's... so heavy-handed. I think there's something also to sort of what Nancy has to do with letting Stevie go and seeing that Josh turned out okay, you know, by him... Right. Like, really, sort of like, I'm happy, I have a good life, like, it's fine. Like, I, I think that more than, you know, the whole Esteban was a Mexican kingpin plays very directly into what Nancy does in part two of the series finale. 
Right. So, well, getting close to that, this is where things kind of ramp up to the end. They, they had, we had the little Guillermo conversation, Doug fails at reconnecting, then we get a, a nice catch-up from Silas, which, I, again, like you said before, I also really enjoyed Silas on the show, I think he was, mm-hmm. partly because I was young and he was Hunter Parrish, but, um, <laughs> uh, he, he, they kind of catch up on where Andy lives, which, again, I feel really sad, because at, at least we get a scene, I believe it's either earlier or later, where Silas gets to say, like, I'm happy, I think it's the next episode, yeah, but, um, yeah. I'm glad we got that because at this point it's pretty much like, yeah, Silas, wake up in the middle of the night so you can update me on my love life. Like, that's kind of what he's there to do. And it's just sad to me that this, first of all, he came all this way. It doesn't seem like they live there anymore. And second of all, like, why is her son and his his very tragic life because of her still all about her? But like, that's just, Nancy. I mean, she I is know, the most selfish, always not- waking him up in the middle of the night to talk about the fact that Andy's not there. And... Like, he's got a baby. Is the baby not in the room? I, I had so many questions about, like, why are you in his room when there's a baby sleeping? You're a terrible mother! <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but so he, he catches her up on where Andy is. He's back living in Renmar, which I think is near Agrestic or something? Or... Renmar is the place in California they went in, like, the, season the second three season? or four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when Agrestic yeah, burned down. When they leave Agrestic, yeah. So it was definitely back on the West Coast. So he, he's living his life. He is now a, a chef of a small restaurant where he, I mean, in quotation marks, based on what Silas says, cooks whatever he feels like. I'm like, I guess that's a thing that happens in Renmar, yeah, but that sure. doesn't seem to fly. Yeah. But knows? all right. Yeah, it's He lives on the beach, it sounds like, so he's just whatever. Yeah, it's 2022. But um, now this is the other part where someone, Lenny, died. So Lenny we know? was his father who was played by... Uh, Albert Brooks. That's who it oh, was. Okay. Albert Brooks so, played his father. But of course, they throw Lenny out there like we're all supposed to know who Lenny is. I like, know. I haven't seen. What was it season three they go there? That's been like. It's been forever a minute. Ago. It's been a minute. And also, on top of that, they say that he also has a daughter who's named Lenny. I'm like, so this is a daughter we've never met, and we never do meet. And a, and a girlfriend, a living girlfriend, it sounds like, or at least like a, a, yeah, I think a it was friendly more, girlfriend. Yeah, it sounded. Well, it sounded like they had a baby, but like we're not together. And that they just disliked each other and were like, let's have this baby together. They needed to do a lot more to describe that relationship because I'm like, it sounds like he's kind of attached to someone. It was confusing. It was confusing. But Silas, of course, classic Silas is like, love is love, mom. Like, they're just, they're friends. They're happy. I think he's happy. And he's got a real very sweet life. And I'm like, oh my God. And, um, and then, so of course she, her, her answer, this is classic Nancy Botwin, is her answer to... He's, he's made a very sweet life for himself. In a very nice, sentimental way, Silas says this. And she's like, he's not coming, is he? <laughs> I was just like, I know it's an emotional beat where she's like, he's not coming, is he? And Silas is like, no. But, like, my God, like, literally in the face of he's living a good life, she's still like, that means he's not going to come right, see me then, exactly. right? Like, she's only concerned about the bottom line. Is it, okay, that means bad news for me. And uh, this is where season, this is a, the episode two stars, which is the, the season... The series finale in a more literal sense because I guess that was more like a recap of the ser- series. Yeah, kind of, it, it but again, felt sort of like a let's get all of our ducks in a row in this episode so we can really have a series finale in this part two. And the second season starts out with, well, first of all, it starts out with Leon sleeping with Doug, which is horrifying. Because... I mean, she clearly has no standards, this character. No, no, she's, she's like stumbling out of his bus. He, he drives a big tour bus because he's now like, I guess, 
like a motivational like, oh, speaker. Speaking yeah, yeah, it was yeah, I don't confusing. know. He has like a thing, an image on the side of the bus where it's like, I'm Doug or I'm with Doug or something. It's just terrifying looking. And um, he he sleeps with her. She like wanders out in the middle of the night. And I think she's supposed to be with Shane, right? There's I thought so, movie. yeah. They yeah. never really, it could have been the daughter of, of uh, Sam Healy, or not Sam Healy. <laughs> but like, they never truly acknowledge, I think they kind of imply heavily and like mention that they have slept together, but they don't. They don't tell you that she's like his girlfriend necessarily. Right, right. Which I who who wants to pin Leo down like that? I understand. <laughs> but uh, well, I mean, plenty of people want to pin her down like that. But um, <laughs> but so Andy is now in the kitchen making food, which I actually for a minute I was like, oh right, it's like the show does occasionally do beats well because that was a very nice moment where it it's was, like it was. Oh, he's back. I didn't think he'd come. I actually thought, like, okay, maybe the show's gonna only end with her, like, writing a note to him. I had no... I was going into this completely blind, and I didn't even know if he'd been in season eight. So I was like, okay, maybe he's gone. And, of course, he shows up a little gray, which is a nice touch for, uh, around the ears to make Andy look a little bit older. I guess he's probably already been graying up until this point, but now he's just, like, they're both... I mean, Nancy doesn't look a day over, like, 35 still. They did nothing. Know. They put ugly streaks in her. They were not interested in aging her up seven years. And Mary Lee's Parker, even though she's definitely older, she's always looked relatively young com- compared to the other people her age group. Like, Kevin Nealon looks double her age. Right. Even though I think they're supposed to be probably contemporaries, more or less. But, um, so Andy's there, and it's re- it's a really sweet scene that's immediately interrupted because Silas and, and Megan come in. And Megan, this is where I know that they're definitely, I mean, they've definitely implied that you're not supposed to like Megan before, but of course her, like, insisting that the baby have goat milk right. is supposed to be like, wow, Megan. But I'm like, Nancy has insisted so many worse things that it shouldn't be nothing, like a little minuscule thing in the, in the bigger scheme of things. But instead, she is the one in charge of going to get more goat, goat milk, even though they're all right there. Silas could volunteer to go. I don't know why Silas can't go. But, um, I mean, she, he really should, because he was like, oh, my mom will have goat milk. Of course she doesn't have goat milk. It's his fault. That's, and that's what that's what Megan even says. She's like, I insist. I told him. He didn't listen to me. But then that means that he should go do it. Not Nancy. But I guess they want the, they want the tension to be that Nancy has to leave. So it's not until much later that she gets to have her heart to heart with Andy. Exactly. And I get it, but it's also just wait. You don't even need that. To, that just I don't know. I guess the reason is that they need to get her out of the out of the episode as quickly as possible. She's got to get out of the scene, but they could have just it, had everybody show up in the morning, and then she just couldn't have time to talk to him alone or something. Right. I don't know. But either way, she's off doing that, and this is where they go to the synagogue. And the speech happens. And this is where... I mean, the episode's been pretty bad up until this point. Even the two episodes. It's, it's been pretty bad up until this point. This is where I feel like it really begins to unravel. And we have to sit through... I swear to God, I almost clocked it in at like two and a half minutes. Of this kid who we've never seen before. I've never even met the actor. Have you ever, Has he been in other things? He seemed like vaguely familiar. Hmm. He's not like a well-known Wait, teen actor. The actor who's playing Stevie. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't... He's he looks like generic, you know. Oh, he was probably in Divergent kind of look. <laughs> but like, okay, okay, fine. If not Divergent, Maze Runner or something. But like, yeah, I get, Maze Runner. Yeah, I get the vibe. It's it's like Dylan O'Brien light. But like, I I just don't need to see two minutes of him. If you're gonna do that with someone, do it with someone we know. Like cast an, a known actor as a, as the young child or something. Do something. Like it was just such a boring. And it's two minutes of him, like, working at his personal issues in front of everybody and ruining this poor other girl's life. Because I, I don't know the situation, but I'm assuming, because of the synagogue, it seems like there's a 
bar mitzvah and a bat mitzvah that are going on simultaneously. Yeah, you always have a you have like a partner that all like shares the Torah portion with you. Well, that's really nice. And instead of it being well, a nice sweet scene where he just you know does that and then afterwards tells everybody at the party, he decides to literally ruin her life. I would say I mean, I that, mean, that's going to leave her traumatized. Although right? her, par- her shitty parents named her China because she's Chinese. So. Yeah, I thought that was. Oh my god! I, weird I didn't. Oh beat. my god. But I mean, you know, that moment was really interesting because I felt like in that scene, you really understood that Stevie was Nancy's son because he takes this moment, which is very important to someone else, and makes it all about him again. I was yep. like, oh, he is like yep. his mom. Yep. And then, like, it, it, it ruins her life. I, honestly, I feel like that really ruined her life. Like, that's going to traumatize her, right? Like, at least in some respect. <laughs> I'm, sure she'll, like, I'm sure she'll get over it. She's, gonna, she's about hope- to get a lot of presents at the party, so she'll be fine. Right, and, and she didn't seem to have as many people there, so maybe it wasn't quite as humiliating, but, like, that would humiliate me. Because the kid doesn't just dismantle the fact that he's having a, a, a bar mitzvah. He kind of, like, he says he's, like, kind of over the whole idea of Judaism in general. I'm like, my God, like, don't bring that into it. You're in a synagogue. Right. Call it off way before you get to the synagogue, dude. If you're gonna become that a- was the equivalent of being a runaway bride. I'm like, you could have dealt with this long before people were in right. your chairs. Like, you had Make so much time. Make the whole episode about finding the kid. That would at least have some kind of a conflict. Right. This is the only, and that's, I mentioned earlier in the episode, this is the only conflict in the entire two episodes to wow. me. I mean, there's a couple of personal conflicts, obviously, with Doug and the kidnapping and stuff like that. And, like, the, the, the frustration with Andy and the frustration with Shane. That kind of stuff is obviously, like, a conflict. But, like, there's no, like, you know, running from the law anymore. There's no... Even the selling of the company is a really vague abstract because we've never even met this company until just this episode. So, like, there's no real consequences for any of this. It just seems completely... Again, pointless. Like, there's no... Everything that's really needed to be resolved was resolved prior to this episode. So right. this is filler. And so, in this scene, he, he goes on and on about how he's really... He, he was Stephen Bloom now, but he's really Stephen Botwin. And before that, I was actually Esteban Reyes Jr., son of a kingpin. I'm not Jewish. My brothers are half Jewish, although one of them's not. And then my uncle's full on, and my dad was a rabbi. I'm like, well, thanks for the life story, kid. But, like, <laughs> what does this have to do with... No one, no one cares. They're all here. It's, it's, it's about him becoming a man. And if that's his version of becoming a man, he's going to be a shit man from that point forward. But like, you couldn't even just tell someone beforehand, like, I don't want to do this. That would have been really uncomfortable, but it would have made a lot less people feel like completely alienated because then this poor girl after him has now like, now they're like, okay, and now for China. And... Of course, they get in another random... I mean, I guess it's not random, because it's just life. There are gay women raising children. But, like, they, I feel like it was there was, like, a punchline where it's like, ha, and she's got two gay moms. Like, it was just such a weird scene. And they're just like, it's okay, China. You're gonna do great. Like, ignore him. I'm like, that was horrible. And this poor little girl just kind of looks... She's like, I'm not Jewish, because I'm, I'm literally adopted. I'm Chinese. And it was just... It was... It was terrible. I just... Everything about it felt terrible. And it was clearly just all played up for laughs because that's, I mean, it's a very Genji Cohen, Cohen thing to do is that sometimes she'll be really emotional and have these really heavy beats. And then sometimes the, the comedy like borderlines on slapstick. Yeah. And I feel like this is much closer to that end of the spectrum where it was just 
that's a serious beat that was played for laughs, and I don't think it was that funny. I think he just ruined that girl's life. <laughs> and then just runs off, more, just kind of like drops the mic and walks out of the room. And I'm like, Yeah, he really uh, did full mic drop. Garbage. Full mic drop and garbage. Ball. Garbage. And so um, Andy and Nancy share a, share a look as that's going on, too. They, 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 go up, they have the party afterwards, which is kind of nice because they're like, we won't let you do this to us. We're still doing a party, like, just because you're a terrible human being. Like, also... That's a, I mean, I wouldn't claim that the parenting is, is bad just for that reason, but, like, it's just further proof that they're all bad parents because they let this kid have this huge party afterwards. Right, exactly. Like, he should be punished, but I guess, I don't know. I mean, that's just my version of things. I don't know his life, but it seems like a real, it seems like a real failure of, like, consequences that this kid is never going to learn because, again, like... I, I feel like this show is all about them failing upwards, like you said before, Jerry. It's just, it's... It's a series of them making mistakes that, that work out in their benefit, which is not something you necessarily want to see an entire series of. I, I understand, like, a couple episodes here and there, but when there, when, there, when there's no there's no potential bottom for your character, it makes them a lot less interesting because it's just they're never going to get caught. They're never going to do... They're never going to really... Because it almost seems like she's about to get caught every time she does fail upwards, and then she always just fails upwards instead. So I mean, I, after... I, I guess I understand the still having a party of it all because Nancy's never been someone who's been sort of punished herself for doing something wrong. So at least I appreciate it yeah. that she wasn't a full hypocrite and got mad at Stevie for just speaking what he believed. And I think... It was a it was a it was a nice moment that was all too rare for me with her and her children. <laughs> yeah, and I almost feel like the, the speech would have been better if he had just been honest and said, "I'm not Jewish, but I love my family," or something like n- none of that. It was just basically just like screw Judaism, screw all of this, I'm done. But I did appreciate that we got some of that, like when he gives the speech at the bar mitzvah. Right, so. that 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 they get back. But I'm like, man, what a, what a terrible time. Do that. Do it reverse. Those exactly. Things. <laughs> Please. <laughs> my god but so instead um we get the party afterwards where nancy insists that they they go through with it no matter what um and then they describe she also she says to him look you were jewish you had a bris right you're already full on jewish like you can't get rid of being jewish it's literally part of what you were it's like the equivalent of being baptized you can't unbaptize yourself um and so uh this is the weird stuff to me also is that I, i think he he's partly mad at her for lying to him, but he's also just wants to go to boarding school. Like I, that's part of what this all this big play is like, look, shouldn't I go to boarding school now? Like this is all some big elaborate ruse for him to try and get away from her, which is a confusing thing because normally when you go to boarding school you're being punished. But he wants to go, like super bad. I mean so I think there's like the you know, I think it all plays into the idea of like everybody's trying to get away from Nancy whenever they can and she's doing everything she can to keep them there. And I like that because it's true, but instead of it being like once she says she agrees to it later on, spoiler alert, she agrees to doing it. But <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> it's such a frustrating scene because when she says like you can go they, like, hug and kiss, and it's, like, almost, like, a weirdly, like, even though he's a dude, it's, like, a Gilmore <laughs> Girls moment where it's, like, you can do you. And I'm, like, wait a minute. This is a terrible mom. This kid wants to go to boarding school. Where's the where's the frustration here? Is that he's supposed to not want to go to this school or he's going there to flee you? The fact that they're hugging about him going to boarding school just felt like because a betrayal of the Because she can't be a parent. Yeah, yeah they, they both they both just kind of are just children together. It's like babies raising babies. But so, so she, so she, she throws the party. 
Um, they still decide to do the, the, the party thing. And, my god, I do not understand. Like, they have this scene where Nancy, for whatever reason, goes with Shane, because I guess Shane is awake and he's there. They're, they show up. Well, he was drunk at the, at the, uh... He's been drunk since, the, yeah, he's been drunk the whole time. The thing is, and I'll say this, like you said before, Alexander Gould has a very odd acting decision. He... He looks young, but he also, he decides to act drunk, but it's also kind of the way he always is acting. Yeah, so you it's... can't really tell if he's, like, just drunk or yeah. high or just a crazy person. Right. Because he's kind of always a little bit, like, <laughs> the thing with Shane is that for a very, very long time he never did smoke weed, right? Wasn't that a whole thing? I think so. He refused to smoke because everybody in his family was dealing drugs. I feel like he was, like, almost weirdly straight edge about it for a couple episodes mm-hmm. early in, like, season four or three or something. So, like, for him to be, like, an alcoholic, as we find out in this scene and then later scenes, it just sort of seems like a, a very abrupt, like, shift into gear. Like, there's been no build-up to this. If anything, it almost seems like kind of the opposite of Shane, because Shane specifically stayed away from drugs and alcohol, it seemed like, for a long time. I guess he kind of drinks by the time he kills that lady, but uh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Which is not a sentence you can say no. about everybody. No, also a terrible way to mark time is when he killed that lady and then after he killed <laughs> right. that lady. But it's more, I think, but, it, um, I think, yeah, I just think it's like his. It's indicative of his like sort of slow descent into complete madness. nothingness. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of where. You, that's where I, I was a little confused because I'm like, oh, he's drunk. I'm like, this whole time I just thought he was a lunatic because that's kind of Shane's mo is like a sociopath. But um, yeah. he he he's also he's also apparently he's been pissed drunk the whole time, which is when Nancy kind of calls him out on it when they go to this bakery to pick up a cake. And as he's as well, when he first gets up out of bed, he literally like grabs a, a flask and starts drinking. So that's where I was like, okay, so he's he's hungover. But I'm like. Has he been drinking because it's a party? I'm like, there's so many questions here. This is why it's such a hard thing to be thrown into this, this specific, like, slice of life moment. Because it's a party. It's a two-day party. It's a weekend party, like you're saying, Jared. It's, like, it's confusing to have that be the, the way to judge how he's living his current life. Because everyone acts differently when it's, like, a three-day party when they're not leaving the premises. Right? Yes, like, but I will, I will say that I feel like the show sort of goes out of its way to let us know he's an alcoholic because he brings his own small bottles of booze, and that is, like, the pop culture identification for someone who has a drinking problem when you have, like, a flask in your coat. Or... Hey, guys, I, I'm sorry. I have a drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, do too. I mean, I do, too. I'm just telling you I can recognize my own. Um, All right. Well, like I, I didn't realize that was like an. That just me was someone who could sneak drugs into place or not drugs, uh, drinks into places you're not supposed to. Like, come on. I, I like, think. I think, and it's also the scene in the start of when Shane shows up and he sits on the couch with Silas and he like goes to take a drink and Silas is like, "It's not even eleven o'clock yet." Like that was sort of like I feel like the show subtly telling us that this is not because of it, the party. This is because his life is garbage. It, well, that's probably true, but also it's just weird to me because this is a show full of people that are just drug dealers, so right. it's, like, really confusing for them to be so judgmental of this guy for drinking, and I'm like, my god, they're all high, like, 24-7, he just bought, he bought, he bought a pack of marijuana cigars holding his daughter, I'm like, and I have nothing against, like, you live your life, but I'm like, my god, they're so quick to throw the judgment, they're such botwins, all of them, even though half of them aren't really actually botwins, <laughs> like, they're all just judging each other non-stop for stuff that they're all guilty of doing in another respect it's crazy and so he's but he, well he is he's full-on he's an alcoholic and he's also just full-on into the descent of madness because then comes the scene where he they go pick up this cake 
it's a cake without any words on it, which is, the lady behind the counter looks like she's shocked that someone suggested they put words on a cake, which is like, that cannot be the first time you've ever been suggested to put words on a cake. That's literally the entire cake business is putting words on cakes. But, um, she says, okay, well, what's the name? It says, Mazel Tov, Stevie Bloom. And she's like, okay, it's it's a dollar fifty per letter or something like that, a dollar for letter. And she just brings it up. It's like twenty bucks. Like that seemed like a rip off on top of everything else. Just go grab some some decorating uh, icing and do it yourself at home. But of course, the Botwins would never do that. <laughs> do something on her own. What are you I know, about? right? And then, um, uh, and then the inside, or just I mean, she's ready to just pay for it. And I'm like, what's the, they're they're literally like billionaires. Like, what's the problem here? Just let her pay for it, or at least millionaire. Uh, maybe not billionaires. Yeah, they've they got millions. They've got a lot of money, and they're about to sell to Starbucks, which I think Shane no- Shane knows by this point. They mentioned it to yeah. earlier. So why is he so? But he's just he's just he's literally just want hot headed wants to get in a fight. So Shane's like, what? What the hell are you talking about? And then, like, proceeds to have a conversation that was... I don't know if it was just poorly scripted, or he just decided to go off book, or... I don't even know. I just, everything about it seems like he doesn't really even say a, a full sentence. Like, it seems like he's just, just like, speaking gibberish. Because he just starts saying words like, You don't know what you're talking about. Like, that's not what we're supposed to do. Blah, blah. I'm a cop. Like, blah, blah. And the lady looks at him like... Could not be, like, I did like that lady. She looks so unfazed by his reaction. I, well, she's Russian, you know? She, she's, like, Russian, she's Russian, as we find out. And, and he, he throws a badge in her face, and and that's where I'm like, my God, he's flushing a badge just a little bit. And then he escalates to bringing his gun out. And then on top of that, like, like waving your gun around and waving your badge is already pretty bad. He proceeds to shoot the cake up and tell her how to spell the last name. So, I mean, at that point... Not only should someone call the cops, if it's not her, there are other people, I think, in the store. Or maybe there aren't. I think they were alone, but it was an insane thing to see. It is... It was crazy. Crazy. Also, those bullets are going through that cake. There's no way the cake stopped the bullets. So, he just... How much damage did he just do to the counter? It's... It's so weird. It don't lady. The lady doesn't want to call the cops because they're well. She doesn't want to. She she just seems like she's not going to because she they're lucky that she's Russian. She kind of almost like winks at them oh, like God. whatever. <laughs> no big deal. Different. Thanks, weeds. It's so stupid. And so, um, like that was a scene. Like on its own would be an entire episode in previous seasons, but in this, it's just like a scene in the episode, and they move on like it was no big deal. And I'm just like, no, we're ready to dwell on this. I mean, Nancy does does come back to him and then tries to convince him to move in with her or at least see a therapist and definitely go to rehab, which is kind of nice. And he also, he's going to break up with Tiffany, who is, I believe, Leon, which again, only then are we finding out her, like, I think we might've briefly got mentioned Tiff or something in the past, but then we're like, okay, so we, we're sure he's definitely with her because he doesn't break up with her. But like, he, he agrees to all of it. You but know, also, it's her fault that he's the way he is. So fuck you. I know, I thought that that was, that was part of it too, is it that she's influenced him to be a bad seed or something? I'm like, my god, if you're anyone, you're staring Nancy Botwin in the face. Like, you should know where your problems began, kid. <laughs> my god. But so, he he's just sort of like, okay, fine, he's off doing his own thing. Nancy, again, is doing that thing where she just stares across the room. This time she's staring at Andy because he's there. Um, they, they still do the chair, the, the, the raising of the chairs, which is, I, I mean, ugh. This is the point where I'm like, my god, they just don't care. This kid just renounced Judaism and then is now taking part in all the fun things of a bar mitzvah. <laughs> like, it was no big deal. I'm like, what a piece of shit. Like, what a botwin. 
And um, they're 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 raising him up and they're having a blast. Everyone's having a good time. And then on like as a feel good funny like runner, Doug kidnaps his son again because he still has he feels like he's still not connected to him. And then somehow manages to to make up with him. And okay, I took some notes here where I just kind of say I have questions here. But I, I don't understand the point at which they actually made up. I, maybe I was, like, it, zoning I, out. I, I think, like, what happened was when, when Doug was like, I've had a cock in my mouth. And it just, like, I felt like maybe he thought that that was sort of, like, his father apologizing. And then they hugged. And then, this like, we left the scene, but maybe they talked more. I, I assumed we just more. missed them it making didn't, up. But yeah. the way they cut it, though, that, that's the weird. problem. They it didn't, was weird. They didn't cut... They could have cut back to the party and cut back to that really quickly, or even just linger and then cut to outside, but they cut so quickly, because I guess they wasted so much time on Shane shooting a cane. <laughs> they cut from, like, they're literally, like, smiling at each other and hugging, and then they cut to him leaving the trailer. So it really feels like it's, like, almost instantaneous, the right. turnaround. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just do not buy for a second that he's now, like, back in his father's life. I was like, that felt, like, completely unearned. But again, well, again I mean, not only unearned, but, like completely emotion free because again you're healing a character that I don't care about with a character I have not seen in seven years like it's and he just he didn't do anything worth healing I, I know. he didn't even really make a good like I'm sorry conversation he, right he didn't even do a like, good yeah. pitch he didn't even have a good I want a relationship with you don't you want one with me not really please okay fine that's kind of the conversation right. <laughs> I just summed up what they do and it's not not something that's very interesting to watch really because on top of it all it's, it's with Doug so exactly. it's like my god it's not exactly. even an interesting person give me conrad over that any day i would take a doug and conrad reunion over that like <laughs> at least that's interesting because it makes a little more a little more sense but so anyway so so doug can him again he gets out they're happy question mark he, he call, his husband calls again in a panic because this poor man is w- returns home to find his loved one gone and the dog and again alone peeing everywhere the dog has peed everywhere this so dog has bad. a bigger bladder i mean this dog's bladder should be investigated by local veterinarians well, well, Doug's going to hopefully foot all those bills because, I mean, again, if it's Brooklyn to, to Michigan, it's that's still, crazy. It, it still doesn't make sense. I'm unclear. They could not have been. I don't get that. They must not be in Michigan. I don't know. Even if it's Connecticut or something where they went before, that still seems like way too far to take someone. I agree. I agree. Maybe it's upstate New York, but they never they never imply that. They just kind of say it's got snow. Right. That's the closest they get to it. She talks about how it's important for a kid to walk home in the snow. I'm like, fuck you, Nancy. You lived in California and, like, exemplified California life for, like, 90% of the show. Why are you just now talking about the importance of seeing seasons change? Because like, she wants to, She wants Andy back. She wants Andy. Mm, so annoying. So anyway, so they, they, they cut from there to uh, the... Well, I do love that we get a little bit more of the Megan hates the fuck out of Nancy to the point where Nancy... Like, a little kid, like a little fucking kid, walks up to Silas and is like, Silas, make your wife like me. Like, that's kind of the conversation. That's basically, that was like verbatim, you just quoted her. Like, that's exactly what she said. <laughs> I do a really good Nancy Bot one, that's yeah. The best impression you've ever That was really good. Like, make your wife like me. And then Silas is just like, um... No, because I, I, I like that. my life, and yeah. I'm not going to disrupt it because you need to have everything... Like, the way you want it. Like, it was a very... I liked Silas for actually standing up for himself. For sure. I thought it was... He's done that before, but this felt like a really adult version of it, which I really respected. And I think he had good points. He was like... He's like, I love you, but she's my home. She's what I go to sleep to and wake up to. I love... That was... I love my... Like, I loved that speech. I thought it was amazing. This is the thing, is, like, I'm like, Genji Genji Cohan, like, for every... 
like major misstep of which there are plenty in this episode that we've gone over. I love the sentence she's where I live. I know. Like, I love that. Yeah. That's, I'm like, so you are capable. Yes. You just are just choosing not to give a shit about most of the <laughs> stuff you're writing here. Like, okay, fine. But so Silas is like, he's still, he's still, he's still on on Megan's side. All things considered, she's got my baby in the morning. I I I don't have to hold on to things like this. This this anger between us, like she does, because I know you treated me poorly. I know you're you're a bad mom. Basically, is what he's saying. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I still get to wake up in the morning, kiss my baby, kiss my wife. I swim, I grow, and I feel lucky. I'm like, it's it's such a. I mean, if you've never seen this show and you don't know who Hunter Parrish is. It's like the perfect thing for a person like that Ugh, to be saying. I'm like, so this good. feels like his actual life. It, I mean, it did, didn't it? It did feel like that's just what Hunter was, Parrish does every day. I and I would buy it. I would buy it, and I'd be, gr- I'd be I, glad about it. I'd buy it. it. I'd watch it. Whatever <laughs> we need to do, I'm, all, I'm all in. Yes, and so he, he just sort of says like, "Sorry, you're com- you're knocking up the wrong tree," and she's just like, "Okay." Like, there's no re- resolution to that, at least. And I really appreciated the fact that she just kind of had to live in the uncomfortableness yeah, of it. She like, has to accept it. It's like that's what this up. is the bed you've made, Nancy. Either you have to work hard and on, like this is the thing is like. They, they, I guess she, she hardly sees them, I guess. Right. And so maybe that's part of it. But, like, secondly, if you if someone really hates you, if you see them all the time and you make a point of being a good person and a good a good interest in their life and and a good human being to her, to their the grandchild, you could probably eventually win her back. But Nancy doesn't want to put that time exactly. in. Exactly. Nancy doesn't want to put any kind of... She wants this resolved before the end of the episode, which is only two days. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, you can't resolve decades of, of, of drama in two days, let alone an hour of... Or even, like, the five minutes it would take for Silas to talk to her. Which is... What do yeah. you think Silas is going to do? Have you met Megan? I don't even know Megan that well from watching the show. She does not come across as the kind of person that's going to be like, Oh, Silas, you want me to be better? I'll be nicer. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> like, that was a season one her. And I, I, I feel like I know her enough to be like, Nah, she's not going to just bend over and be like, Sure, Silas, I'll do what you want. Like... That's the whole point. That's why she's good for Silas. She's not exactly, you, Nancy. Exactly. Exactly. It's just crazy. And so, it, I guess it's kind of the weird creepiness is that she's like, you, you didn't marry a me. Yeah. You didn't marry someone who's cool and chill like me. I'm like, you're a bad mom. That's why. Silas like, came out unscathed. Good for him. He could have married the Mary Kate Olsen, which is kind of like a young her, which is just like, no. Except she was like, you know, Jesus. But so, um, so they, they were like, okay, fine. Like, that's not resolved, but we'll have to deal with it. And then, um, this is the, I mean, this is where, I mean, this is where the whole episode's leading up to, right? Like, the Nancy and Andy stuff is, I'm pretty sure, like, why they said it this far in the future. They wanted to do that. This is now, Latoya, how many episodes? This is three different episodes where we've had to deal with our two main characters being pulled apart for decades of time. Oh. Like, that's something you want to see. This has happened in Will and Grace. Right. It happened in yeah. Having Your Mother, and now it's happened here. It's like, you don't want to watch the two, the two, well, I mean, I guess you wouldn't claim Andy. I mean, he did eventually become definitely the second lead, but, like, he didn't come out in the very beginning. He wasn't, like, from the very, very, very beginning. But still, like, he's a very major character in this show. Arguably the second most major than Nancy. Yeah, for sure. So, like, what, who wants to watch your two biggest characters dislike each other for most of the episode. That's kind of where yeah. this is at. Or, or be estranged. It's like, oh yeah, boring. we haven't seen each other for like a decade. That's interesting, right? No! <laughs> no! 
the whole, especially, I mean, going back to something like Will and Grace, that's another situation where it's like, that was the whole crux of the show, like the mm. name of the show, and you decided to estrange them oh, for 10 I years. I hated that finale so much. Yeah, and it's like, why do you, why does, why does finale like that exist? And then they're like, let's try that again. Like, that, that was universally disliked, I yeah. think, more or less. You so, know, I, I, the one thing, like, the, let's try our version of it. I mean, the one thing I want to say about this Nancy Andy scene, and this is not about the writing, this is about Mary Louise Parker. The, the moment when sort of she comes out of the bathroom and he comes out of the bathroom at the same time and she sees him, she Mary so Louise good, Parker right? does such an amazing job of conveying like the conflicting emotions that are running through her body at that time. It really reminded me of what a good actor she is. And I mean, through all of these weird, terrible at times seasons, like the one constant was Mary Louise Parker was always so interesting to watch and I felt like that was a moment when I was really reminded of what an amazingly talented actor she is when she just has that sort of breakdown and is laughing and crying and is overcome with so many different emotions at once and just sort of like gives him that hug like I just whether or not it was nice it was really really impressive and I was just I just, I feel like I like her so much. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. When she walks down to that room, it's kind of like she literally just, like, walks in and, like, impales herself. That's the look. Like, her eyes go, her eyes go, like, I know it's a dark image, but I feel like that's kind of what she was acting. It's like the minute he shows up, like, it's as if someone just stabbed her. Like, she looks devastated, but also, like, okay with it. Yeah, she's like. And I mentioned, I mentioned Gilmore Girls before, not just because I thought that scene kind of went back to it, it reminds me of a Lauren Graham kind of character where it's like, oh, I forgot it's you're good at acting. I forgot you're capable of, like, leaving a camera on your face right. and letting that do all the word for you. There was no, there was not even, like, a word spoken for the first, like, 20 to, 50, like, 50, 15 to 20 seconds. It's just her reacting to him is enough. And that's, like, honestly, that's part of the problem is that, like, they, they have such success in that moment that they they oversell it towards the end. I I think that last scene I had a hard time with that scene in general. I think it was too reliant on that kind of a like let her do that emotionally. Don't let her do that like plot wise. Like yeah, th- the, that's the problem is that like sometimes and I, I to their credit I guess because like you're saying I think she's so great. I think she's a fantastic actress. She's done amazing things and things other than this. I, I just I think and it's also it, it works with Nancy because even though the show is scripted. It almost feels like when you're watching her her performance of Nancy, you never know what she's gonna do. Like it seems like she's doing this legitimately, like as a crazy person, and it almost feels like she's just a real character who's just drifting in and out of the plot because it's the stuff she does is insane, and the the way she does it is also kind of insane. Like I'll always remember. There's a scene. I'll try and link to it if we can find a clip of it. It's the internet. It probably exists because there's a scene where she she shows up in like early seasons, like one or two maybe. And she's gotten, I get, something happened terrible. It's always something, some shit went down. And she just shows up at the house and, like, walks into the pool and just starts stripping her clothes off. Do you remember that scene? Yes. And it's, like, a really weirdly evocative scene because I think the boys are like, Mom, what's wrong? And she just, like, she just blankly stares and just, like, walks in. Like, like literally, like, she's, like, goddamn, like, was it Virginia Woolf or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Like, it is, it is, it is super, super dark. But, like, it, 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 it speaks to me that a performance can be that good without words. Again, she didn't speak in that, in that yeah. scene, I don't think, either. No. If she did, she said, like, barely anything. But, like, to me, I'm like, okay, this is why you need to stop doing all this, like, 
blah, 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 because it was just useless. But then, of course, by the end, I think they overused it. So they they, they, they kind of played their hand too quickly with the Nancy and Andy stuff. That could have been the final scene. I almost didn't wi- need that last I scene. almost wished it was, but I, I just, I mean, it was another instance, you know, I thought it was interesting because it was sort of like coming off the Silas scene where he's basically like, you're not my priority anymore and you have to deal with that that's basically what andy said to her too he's like i have a life where it does not revolve around you and i am better for it it's a very honest and dark sentiment and and she kind of doesn't have anything to to say back to it i mean she gives she literally says i will give you my entire company i will come to you you can come here she sets the stage for him to have her in whatever context he wants and for him the answer is i don't want you at, in my life at all and i love that this episode was basically about everyone in nancy's life telling her i don't want to be near you get away from me it's so i mean there's been a lot of comparisons for the obvious you know well-off white person dealing not well well off i guess like mediocre off uh, white person dealing drugs but it's got a lot in common with breaking bad in that respect too because I think that's like one of the big tenets of Breaking Bad is when everyone finally realizes that Walt is a literal cancer, right. just like she's a literal weed. Yeah. Like they have to finally just yank it out of their lives. Like it, it's it's that point when you realize, oh, it's not the fact that I I can get to a point where I can deal with you because we've reached a good place where we're communicating better, or we've reached a place where it feels like you're not so reliant on my help, or whatever the case may be. It really is like, oh, nothing about our relationship's ever going to fully work because you're not in it 100%. Right. You're not truly a good person to me the way that I am to you. And I think it's it's tough because it's like when your main character is the person that we're kind of rooting against in that respect because we're rooting for everyone to get away from her. <laughs> it, just, it makes it a very un- non-compelling kind of thing where it's sort of like her 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 story should be the one that we're rooting for, not the one that we're excited that everyone's escaped. Because I, we're still stuck in it. And I mean, you know, there, I definitely think there were times throughout the show's run where the show was successful at making us care for Nancy, but I almost feel like in a weird way, like, they recognized the fact that they needed to fix all the other characters in this finale, and the way to do that was to get them away from their main character. I mean, the fact, though, that this scene is followed by the scene where sort of Nancy tries to fix Shane by having him move back in with her. And he's like, no, but I'll go to rehab. It's like, nobody wants to be around her. It's incredible. And that's like where it ends. Like, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, totally. we just kind of wrapped up. There's a slideshow as we get the speech from Stevie. Right. It's a little bit nicer than that. Um, where he's just sort of like, I guess partly because he knows he's going to boarding school now. Right. So he's, he's got what he wants out of the situation. He's nancyed the situation to the point where he's now in a better place for him. Right. right? He doesn't really care about how it results with her. And I, I almost feel like this would be a lot better. I mean, obviously Shane is her son. It would have been a lot better to me if Shane also wasn't her son. And mm. Stevie's the first time she sees herself in one of her children. Mm-hmm. Because that would have made a little more sense to me that she's like finally coming to the realization like, oh this is what it's like to be with me. I've been used. I have to stop this, like break the cycle. Whereas instead we just get more of another person. She's broken to the point where he's now manipulating other people. Like she manipulates him. And he's giving this speech where he's just, I mean, he seems to have slightly come around the idea because he, he had a good time at the, at the party. Like, Oh, gross. Like how unappealing. I know he's a kid. So it's hard to judge a kid a hundred percent because he's supposed to be this teenager. who's who's stupid. But like, it's just not a very compelling scene where he's just like, yeah, 
I'm I'm having a good time here, so maybe I'm okay with the fact that like I'm I'm leaving and all that stuff. But he's going to boarding school and he's happy about it. And they have that like memorial reel where it looks like someone's died, <laughs> and they show like all these these like like random like Photoshop images from like in quotation marks seasons one through seven. Um, but it's 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 a very like they practically could have been playing uh, Green Day's "Time of Your Life" underneath of it, and. Then comes, well, f- well, first of all, she sells the company. In that right. moment, after seeing all this, and after finally being turned down for, for a relationship with pretty much everybody left in her life. And it's, not to go back to it too quickly before we get to this point, it's weird that you said that everyone's trying to get get away from her, because I feel like Jonah was the first person to succeed. Yeah. Dark comment, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> he dropped dead running on the way home from wherever. That's in true. first season. I mean, so, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they were all just trying to get away from her one by one. Yikes. But so yeah, so so that happens. She she decides to sell the company, and then pick up the phone. And then the guy on the phone, this is the same guy earlier with the terrible accent, says a sentence to that you've made me happier than a puppet with two peckers. I don't even know at this point. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't even know what's happening. Also, like, why is he one of the last people... Why is that random person one of the last people we see in this series? But fine. And so she sells the company... And the slideshow finishes, and then she goes outside in the in the snow. So it's definitely in a place that's snowier than New York at this time. So it's got to be somewhere up north. And she sits there like in a, in a dress. So she's got like no. It was just a very poorly conceived uh, outfit to sit, sit outside while it's snowing, but fine. And she just kind of stares off, like kind of alone and lonely. And. Uh, there's a couple moments here where it should have ended. Like, I kept feeling... It was like the Lord of the Rings ending, even though it was just one little scene, where I kept thinking they were going to end it, and then they kept it going. And then I thought they were going to end it, and they kept it going. I was like, oh my god. It, it, so, yeah. so she sits she sits down, and this is all my notes. My notes are also just, don't bring Rilo Kylie into this, but they bring <laughs> it into it. And they're playing Rilo Kylie as she sits in the snow. And then Shane shows up, and he sits next to her. And then, uh, well, first Doug also comes out, right? And... I don't know why Doug's there. Why is Doug there? I, I, it, it would. I think it would have made more sense <laughs> if it was just you know Silas, Shane, and uh, Andy. If we're gonna go, even with if this it was terrible, just Silas and Shane, it would have made more sense. But it just. I mean, I like Andy, but my God. I mean, just to have them like one by one come outside through no provocation Doug? of anything that has happened. It's just one but of Doug, though. I know Doug. <laughs> like, why is Doug there? I mean. I mean, Doug should be nowhere. Doug should. Why is Doug even in the show? But I would have bought it better if that's what I'm asking. It's weird. Why? It's why, weird. Doug? And it's just one of but those a- weird contrivances of television, where like all these people sense this need to be outside at the same time. Like you don't know your show is ending. We know your show is ending. Why are you having a final scene in your real life? <laughs> no one has cared what Nancy did that long. For them all to notice one by one, exactly. Like, it's, just, it's not possible. So, um, so, why so she goes everyone, out. I don't. Like, why isn't everyone just coming outside to sit with her then? Like, just everyone goes out. Oh, like, I know, right? The whole entire party comes what out. What is the series finale happening outside? Her. <laughs> it, it'll, by the time it zooms out to keep everybody in frame, it looks like the picture from The Shining. Oh my god. <laughs> But so, so she, so she's sitting there like, must be freezing, although that's clearly fake snow, which is like, okay, there's a couple things here. One, that's a scene you should nail. It's the last scene of your series finale. It's the last scene of your series. It's a huge deal. Go to, and go to a meat locker and stick them inside a meat locker. It could not look less of a set. Like it was, 
or could not look like more of a set. It was they're sitting outside. The snow is clear. It's like basically those like fraught like it's it's like fluff falling from the ceiling. It's it looks so my god. They didn't even have smoke coming out of their mouths when they're talking. Like it was not literal smoke, but like breath smoke. Like it was so infuriating to me because I'm like this is the one scene you could spend a little bit of money on. <laughs> like literally the one scene and it's, it's a show one in showtime that had some of a budget like dexter went on location all the time like what where where was this decision to not take them to any place snowy and just shoot one two second scene like it really goes on for all of a minute at the most so they also i almost feel like when this song starts i'll link to the song by rather kylie i feel like they wrote the, the episode based around the song hmm <laughs> I know they probably didn't, but like it really almost felt like they did. All right, so they're all sitting there. They're all sharing a joint because I think Doug is the one that pulls the joint out, yes. which I guess is the reason why Doug's there, right? I guess, but Silas has those cigarettes. We watched him buy them. Uh, like, that would have been the perfect excuse is that he pulls out one of those yeah. cigarettes. It would have been it would have been even better if he had gone to one of her many good seed lounges or whatever, any, any and then grabbed one of their cigarettes. So it was like look, you're enjoying your own product, at least. This is, like, some other competitor, technically. Like, it's so stupid. Like, he grows his own weed. Like, why is he buying competitors' weed? If it's legal in the, in this country, he should have just weed on him all day long, Fair. right? Totally. Like, it's just crazy. So, anyway, so he's, he's like, whatever, fine. Um, He's just, he's sitting there, Shane's sitting there. Shane's a cop. And going to rehab. And getting but- high. So. And he's smoking the so so basically what we're what we're getting at is that they're basically all just sharing a joint. Right. It starts out with Doug. Doug, of course, being Doug, is constantly just high all the time. He lights the joint, tries to pass it to Nancy. Nancy says no, which is like, all right, fine. Like, <laughs> why is she choosing just now to become like a nun? But like, I guess maybe she's just not in the mood. And and she says no, and then he passes it to Silas, I think, at first, and Silas takes it, and then Andy comes out too. Then Silas passes it to Andy, and Andy passes it to Shane. The fact that Shane is smoking is just so... It's just, it's, like, it's weird after the conversation about, about rehab. She's like, you need to go to rehab. He's like, okay. And she's like, now let's go get high together. But that's the thing is that, like, I understand there's a difference between smoking and drinking. It's just different for everybody, like, chemically. Like, I understand that respect. But, like, this show is so weird about the way they deal with drugs. That, like, right. the fact that they just, they, they tried to, like, run him out of town for drinking, and then in the same sentence, they're like... But he can smoke all day long. Like it's just stupid to me. Like they the, they the, they are so picky and choosy about how they're gonna. The timing is weird. The timing. It's is stupid. Weird. It's stupid. So anyway, so he so he does that, and then like they all kind of sit around, and then eventually it does go back to Nancy, and she takes a hit, and that to me is where it should have ended. Yeah. A hundred percent. After she exhaled, it should cut to black. Right. It's not a great ending, but at least it makes sense because it's literally like. The whole thing. But, of course, they want that, like, Coen Brothers-esque scene where it's, like, them all realizing how dark their lives are. And they all kind of just smile. And then Riley Kylie is still playing really loudly over top of everything. And this is what really frustrates me. In this scene, while they're all laughing like this, you can see Kevin Nealon talking to, I think it's uh, either to, maybe to, to Hunter Parrish or to all of them or something. It, but it's silenced. Right. So, I understand it's because Riley Kylie's playing, but I'm like, my God, like... Have them just laugh. Have them... Let the laughter be audible. Like, it it was such a poor editing decision to me because it just felt like, okay, so we're gonna literally, like, make this the final episode of this, or scene of the entire episode of the whole series, 
And he's saying things that we can't even hear? At this point, I was just like, cut to black, cut to black, cut to black. And I'm ready yeah. for, to move on and for this to be over now. But they really, they let it go for a long time. They let it go for, until the rest of the song's done. So it's about a minute and a half of a scene, maybe two minutes. I'll link the song below. It's a beautiful song, but I do, I think they lean too heavily on it because it, it becomes more about the song and the lyrics in the song than it is about the scene. And I'm like, this is where they should really be focusing a lot more on their own show, not like how great this song is. But, um, so they, they, they wrote it. They wrote it, it seems like, for the song, but even if it's not, it certainly seemed... It lines up almost 100% right. with the way that it's it's a whole, like, you know, it's... If you listen to the song, you'll understand why everything we've been discussing is basically brought up in the song. And that's that's it. And I mean, it's over. And she 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 inhales and, and exhales, and then it is all sit around, like, getting high, I guess. Yeah. But, like, she didn't... There's no second hit from anyone, they're did all you want, did living you, in this industry. Did you need them to finish the joint, Mara? I mean, like, did that would have made more sense. Like, really get down to the bottom of it? And just... That would have made a little more sense if you're going to actually have this long, epic <laughs> scene. But also, like, like, end it before the first... Like, you should have ended it while she was exhaling the first time. Like, it's such a weird thing to be hung up on, but I can't describe to you how stupid it is to watch someone, like, exhale smoke and then just kind of sit there for, like, 20 seconds. Like that, the 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 moment is over. If anything, that should be the point where they all kind of look like that. That they have that dark, like, where do we go from here? Moment right. where they're all like sad. That would have made more sense to me. Like they were actually kind of all sad, but they all look like they're having a good time, and then it just cuts to black. Like it was pointless. And also the music that starts up when it cuts to black was also really weird. It's... Like a really jarring switch from from mm. Rollo Kylie. I don't know what the song was, but it was odd. Yeah. It was an odd choice. It was a much more, like, Little Boxes style song, mm-hmm. I think, is what they were going think, for. Yeah, probably. But oh, yeah, that was there, that was the episode, guys. And there you have it. There's the whole the whole thing. I, I, I cannot describe to someone how it felt. This is the closest our podcast has, has felt to me. Like, I have, I've jumped in on shows in the middle of, like, heavy, heavy serialized moments. Yeah. And they still did a better job of explaining to me what was going on. Like, this was such a... A poorly written episode, to be honest. Like that's it's a huge factor. Is there's not enough, like we're saying, like cryons or like like even just people mention like clumsily saying, isn't that funny? It's like that time we went into business. <laughs> like yeah. I'd rather a clumsy two or three sentences explaining what happened than having to be like. I was more focused on trying to figure out what was going on than what actually they were talking about in the actual events of the episode half the time. I, I had to keep rewinding it. I would agree. Like, I mean, I feel like I I am having watched the finale. I am glad it. I did not watch the last season, and I just could come yes. in for that finale and be like, okay, fine. It's madness. Madness. Uh, do you have any other wrap-up thoughts that we didn't go over? I think we kind of nailed it. I think a it's lot. well covered, yes. I, it's, it's, it's too much of people we don't care about. Mostly Doug. One of which is literally a character we've never seen before because he's a child who's grown up that we sure. did not know. And there's no conflict. That's my biggest issue yeah. with it. Is how can you have an episode like this where there's not even a conflict? Like that's this show lived and breathed on like people outrunning the law and people outrunning drug dealers. Some of which were in the episode, um, but like it, it just felt like such a boring like waste of time. It was like, a that lot. stuff's already happened. It was a lot. And it, it's just it's like almost like reminiscing about good times. I'm like well, that's nice, but that's good for like the last ten minutes of an episode, not the entire two two part series finale. Exactly, good Ugh. good riddance, Swedes. Good riddance. It's nice to know you once. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to plugs. 
Okay, you guys can find me on Twitter at Lafergs. Uh, when does this drop again? Maybe my Fastlane piece will be up. Maybe not. It's the Fastlane piece that I keep pushing, so we'll find out. If you want to ask me about weeds, you know, just follow me on Twitter, I So, guess. what's up with you? Sorry. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I am on Twitter at Jared Says, one R, two Ts, and you can read me on BuzzFeed on the reg. Awesome. And as always, I am at Mara E on Twitter. Um, you can read my stuff at the Televixen. Um, I think this week we'll have more uh, Vampire Diaries, Supergirl, and iZombie while it's back. Although we're going to go back on a, a hiatus again soon. And then the next episode of this show will be According to Jim. It's our, our fantastic St. Patrick's Day episode. Season 5, episode 20, The Thin Green Line. So, I mean, what couldn't we say about According to Jim? I, honestly, <laughs> there's probably so much to talk about. So stay tuned for that. You can find us on uh, Twitter at The Televoid. You can rate, subscribe, review us on iTunes. I know LaToya is trying to get people to, uh, if, you, if, you, if we get at least like 20 people in the next, let's say, a couple months, we will get drunk and watch the Entourage movie, I think is the, because <laughs> oh, there's no other reason to watch that. Like, right? Like, that's, that's a reason to watch that <laughs> for, for, for reviews and, and drinking. Uh, but so stay tuned for that. Uh, leave some reviews if you want to help out in, in getting that to happen. Or go back and listen to our Entourage episode if you, if you can't wait. Um, and in the meantime, guys, thanks for wandering into the Bellvoid. Bye-bye. Bye.